Good morning. It is a Friday. Stan is fired up today. Is it because Carson Weekly's back? Is that what it is? Is that why you're so... I think it's a schlipped uh, regular plain coffee with Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, that'll do it. We got to we, we gotta bring the music down, bring Stan up something. We got to figure out what we need to do there. I'm in a different zip code here. Wait Stan the Fan Charles is in studio. And yes, our friend Carson Weekly is back, but he's got a... He's got to study today. He's got to uh, make sure that he can run the board because he's producing the show next Thursday. Uh, I'm good. with Griff today. It's good to see you again, Carson. Good Thanks to see you again, Thanks for too. being here. Look Absolutely forward to glad. hanging out with you next yep. week. Glad to be That's back. That's really a huge gamble on your part. What's that? Having Carson run the Ooh, board. We'll see Thursday. how it goes. I mean, what's the worst that could happen, right? We, bl- we burn the building down. We're never able to do the show again. We ruin the company. Or the quality of the show is kind of like Griffin. Yeah, That's what I'm worst, saying. Yeah. How much well, worse can it get? What, what is that supposed no, we to be? We got a great show today. Busy show today. Uh, unlike some weeks where people say they don't want to talk to Stan. This week, everybody wanted to talk to Stan. Except Diamond Miller, oddly. And we, we talked to her before. I don't know why she didn't want to talk to you this week. Um, there was, there was, oh, there was some... Oh, you know the story this time? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I, didn't. I don't even want to go into it's it. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable for everybody. It's yeah. a total misunderstanding. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, I'll, I, you know what? I'll attempt to deal with that with her when we talk to her later. Diamond Miller, former Maryland star, WNBA season gets underway tonight. She was the number two pick in the draft for uh, Minnesota. We will check in with her in just a few minutes. We're scheduled to be joined by John Salzman. Maryland's own from uh, Laurel went to Athelton. Now he lives out in Finksburg, and he is a trainer and owner of one of what's just seven now. Only a field of seven for the Preakness after first mission is out as of this morning. Good news for me and Chase the Chaos. Oh, you're a Chase the Chaos guy. I might be a Coffee with Chris guy because it's total local. It's a complete, the horse is local, trainer's local, jockey's local, everything's local. What what day is the uh, alibi breakfast? It was yesterday, Stan. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was yesterday. About the fifth straight year. Yeah, I didn't get that. Got, I didn't get that didn't invite. Get a memo. I didn't yeah. get that invite either this year, Stan. I don't It'd know. Be what amazing to say. that if they wanted local coverage, you would you think, know. wouldn't it? I, I, I have lots of things that I could say about that, but it is what it is. Still, they must have, they must have needed to cut back in the funds for eggs. That might have know, been what it was. The egg yeah, money the sauce. Now. Yeah, right. But that doesn't really. That doesn't really explain the problem like five years ago. No, it doesn't really, yeah. does it? No. Eggs are crazy expensive right now. They're that is true. That are. is an issue. You're right about that. Although. I heard there was powdered donuts, though. Ooh, now you're just rubbing it in. Now you're just causing problems. Had, my, had my fix for the week. Um, it's anyway. working out nicely. One one a week. One. You're, you're feeling good? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, uh, yeah John Salzman, Coffee with Chris is his horse. Uh, Ryan Spielborgs, who is doing the broadcast tonight for Apple TV again. Don't turn Spilly on. Goat. Don't turn on Masson tonight. Turn on Apple TV if you want to watch the Orioles and the Blue Jays. We will talk to Ryan Spielborgs before he does that game. Peter Milliman, head coach at Johns Hopkins, they're getting ready to play Notre Dame in Annapolis on Sunday for a spot in the Final Four. Not going to be easy, but they've had a very nice season, Johns Hopkins. And they have uh, successfully turned things around as a program. And also coming up this morning, Jim Callis from uh, MLB Network, MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. They put out a new top 100 prospects list this week. And sitting at number three is Jackson Holiday, who, of course, is maybe the hottest hitter in all of baseball as he just continues to uh, pummel the ball down in Aberdeen. 
Jim Callis will join us. We'll talk about that. Uh, still has Grayson Rodriguez number six on that list as well. I was driving home from the game the other night and heard Steve Molesky over mm-hmm. on BAL mm-hmm. uh, doing the postgame show. And Steve, very knowledgeable. Yes. But not the most enthusiastic guy. You know, I okay. mean, he plays okay. it very mm-hmm. low-key. He was, like, giddy talking about well, what Jackson I mean, it, Holiday it really is done quite the, nuts. I mean, he's eight for eight over two games. He was, I think it ended up being, he, eight he, for got, nine. he was out. Yeah, somebody got, got him out? Yeah, wow. the ninth inning of the second game, uh, somebody did indeed get him out. There was a line drive that was caught. But, but like two home runs, two triples? Yes, yeah. sorry. we're gonna. Yeah, I, you can keep going, Stan. Yeah, uh, just a, an amazing run. Uh, and it, it gets you wondering... I thought he'd make it through like mid June at at Aberdeen, you know, at least right. mid June. Who knows how long before he's at Bowie? Uh, I, at this point, my God! And again, I understand that they still, it, they're not just going to do the hey, you're hot, so we're moving you up. They want it to be prolonged. They yeah. want you they to want show. To, they want to feel like he's really mastered Correct. that level, not but mastered two games. I, I think we keep having the same conversation, which is it's not implausible that next year, if they're in a playoff race, that Jackson Holiday at a, a very young age. Yeah, it could be a wild card in the whole thing. Exactly yeah. right. And that yeah. we continue to see that at every level. It's it's just nuts what Jackson Holiday has been doing. All right, so a lot to do on the program today, but we begin this morning. Preakness is coming up tomorrow at Pimlico, and it is – an odd year at Preakness, as there are no other runners from the Kentucky Derby that are back for the Preakness, except for the Derby winner, Mage. Now, we also know, as of this morning, as I mentioned, just seven horses in the field. So I would say it's about as wide open as you could imagine the Preakness being. That could present an opportunity for a local horse and a local trainer to end up becoming a Preakness winner. Really cool story is joining us now here on GCR, a Maryland native. He is the trainer and co-owner of Coffee with Chris. It's a pleasure to welcome into the program Mr. John Salzman, who's with us here this morning. John, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes with, for us. Hey, Glenn and Stan. Good morning. Yep, glad to be here. John, I, I can only imagine what your emotions have been like. I... I, I was told by a couple people that it was a, an emotional scene at the breakfast yesterday as you addressed this. For someone who has been here and been a part of this game for your entire life, can you put into words what this week has meant to you having a horse in the Preakness? It's been overwhelming. I mean, I, I've been around this Preakness for a lot of years, but I haven't been in this part of it. You know, I was never in the Preakness, but um, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot on the horse. It's a lot on me, my wife. It's stressful. Um, but we're taking it. We're going to get through it. I, we were just talking one more day, and we're going to get there. I just want to get to the post. You know what I mean? Let's get to the <laughs> gate and get not necessarily get it over, but let's get it done. John, I was wondering if you could tell us uh, who the Chris is that the Chris with coffee is. Who named the horse? What was the reason it was coffee with Chris? Do you know any of that backstory? I'm the one that named him, so I can tell you whatever you want to know about it. Um, so it really started out as a, as a it started out as a joke. Chris is Chris Bosley. He's our track superintendent. Okay. At Laurel, and we were having a lot of uh, track issues uh, when this horse came around, or needed a name a couple of years, or I guess a year and a half ago or so. 
And honestly, I, I put a couple names in. Well, I put Let's Go Brandon in. That was that era when that came up. And I tried to get that name and couldn't. So one day I was driving in to the stable park at Stablegate at Laurel, and we have a billboard there that lights up, and it, it had coffee with Chris. Uh, you can voice your opinion on the racetrack with okay. coffee with Chris on Wednesdays. So that's how we got it. That's great. That's, and that's, great I, I can only imagine what that means to Chris Bosley, by the way. Like, man. <laughs> Chris is going right? to put his entire bankroll yeah. on this. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> right? What a moment for him. Um, you, you know, John, when you made the decision, right? Like, you had to put up your own money in order to do this. I, I, I read something that you said, like, hey, I don't, I don't run a horse unless I believe the horse can win. And I know that there are a lot of people that would say, well, how could you believe that this horse could win the Preakness? So tell me about that. Like, it's not just doing it, knowing the way that you operate. Why is it that you believe that Coffee with Chris legitimately has a chance to win the Preakness? Well, that's that, that's a that's a good way to put it, I guess. But I mean, I ran in the Tessio, and I was three to one in the Tessio or something, and we um, we took a shot. You know, we that's a win in your in race. So we paid the 6000 before that race to nominate for the Triple Crown, and we were hoping we'd win it, and then we'd be in. You know, we wanted to be able to run in the Preakness. And he didn't run. I mean, he ran in the Tessio, and not a bad race, and it didn't set up for him. So, you know, when it came time for the 30000 I had to think about it going different directions. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking, I'm going to let getting beat two lengths in the Tessio give me a chance of a lifetime and my horse. So I rethought it and we worked it out and uh, here we are. I mean, we're hoping for the best. I, I try to position horses where they can win. I usually keep a pretty good win percentage. I mean, I think three out of the last four horses I've run this past week win. I win one at Monmouth and two two-year-old races at Laurel. So I know I'm taking a chance, but uh, if I look at this field, not taking nothing away from any of them, I think I'm in the right spot. I think my horse is going to get into the turn in good position. It's a speed favoring track, usually at Pimlico. The turns are sharper. Um, these horses are going to have to come from off the pace and try to run us down. I mean, my horse is doing super. He's actually relaxing now. He's laying down. I'm over here with him. And if everything goes good tomorrow, we're going to give it a whirl. I mean, and, and we're hoping for the best. John, tell me, uh, horse, the horse race is only seven horses. That gives you a more honest chance of getting what you're hoping you can get out of this horse, doesn't it? Well, you never want to see it. I don't ever want to see horses scratch. I mean, this is the chance of a lifetime for everybody. Yep. Even though Brad Cox has got 200 horses and he's done it all the time, I, I don't root for any horse to get scratched because it could happen to me just as well. Mm -hmm. So, is it going to, am I going to benefit from it? I am. I'm not going to lie. And I'm, but I would, I would rather run against him and beat him than have this happen to anybody. So I, uh, you know, he was a speed horse and he was outside of me. So now we have one other speed horse the way I see it. I'm not guaranteeing that's the way it's mm -hmm. going to set up, but I think, uh, <clears throat> Baffert's horse will go with blinkers from the rail. And I think we'll go. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can both slow them down. They're both good riders. And I can lay second. I can lay just off of him. I'm happy to be outside of him. And I don't know what the other six or five are going to do. I mean, so maybe somebody else has an idea of what they want to do. But we're just hoping to slow the pace down and, and get him to finish strong. 
How familiar is is your rider, Jaime Rodriguez, with Coffee with Chris? Has he ridden them all along? He's ridden him since I put the blinkers on him. He won the stakes at Laurel for me with him. He's a good speed rider. He's a great – he knows pace. Um, he's a good gate boy, and he knows Chris. Chris has got a few quirks that uh, most people don't know about, and I don't even want to put them out there. So, <laughs> but, but Jaime knows them, and um, I think we're in a good post position, and like I say, we're going to give it a whirl and hope for the best. And the moment's not too big for Jaime because he rode for a while at Aqueduct Belmont, right? Oh, the moment's not too big for him. He's a professional. And, I mean, he's he here's a guy he went – I think he set a record here in Maryland the other day. He went seven or eight races in one yeah, day. Yeah. That, yeah. That's unheard of. But, that's um, usually what yeah, I do when – that's usually how I do when I'm when betting. betting. Yeah, yeah you I have usually totally have seven, seven of eight. And definitely not asking me <laughs> if you can borrow some money to make back what you lost. Um, just another couple Maybe of Maybe once in a lifetime. Right. <laughs> oh, there's no chance Dan has ever won seven in one day. I promise you that. John Salzman with us here as we're getting ready for the Preakness tomorrow. Coffee with Chris. John, what, what this means to the entire local circuit, and there's a couple other local riders, obviously, in the race tomorrow, but you've got a local horse, a local rider, and you're a local trainer. Have you gotten a sense for what this means to everybody? You know, it's been a tough time for Maryland racing these last couple of years what it would mean for you to win. Obviously, it would mean everything for you, but have you gotten a sense in talking to everybody else, all the other horse folks in the area, about what it means just for you to be there and kind of representing the state? Uh, we're getting a lot of support. I mean, we have people here every day from from Maryland, you know, wishing us the best. You know, I, like I tell them, we're going to have a chance to go, let's go, Chris, let's go, Chris. You know, you can bet your two dollars on whoever you want, but you got to root for the home local horse. So, I think we got a good fan backing, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, I just, like I say, I keep saying it. I just hope everything's safe and everybody gets through it, and they all finish well. There's another local connection in this race. Larry Calmus, who calls the races, yes, is a local yeah. guy. I, I'll bet if if your horse is leading in the stretch or neck and neck, he'll be a little bit more excited than usual. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Man. Yeah, I, it's it's exciting. It's very exciting. Have you, John? Is it everything you dreamed it would be? Like, did you did you, is it is it the pinch me moment, or is it like? No, actually, no. I've just had to work with a horse all week. Like, I haven't really been. It's not really Cinderella the way that maybe you would imagine. Well, I'm thinking that uh, I'd rather you call me at 7:30 Saturday evening and ask right, me that right, question right. because the dream's still going. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got to yeah. get through this. And and hopefully win it. If I was to win it, uh, it would be, it would definitely be a dream come true. Um, I just never seen myself in these classic races, and not because I'm not a horseman, but just because I buy I buy a different type of horse. Right. And I bought this horse. I mean, so but I buy sprinters. I mean, that's just my eye for horses. I like to win early with horses and and get my money back. And 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 I've done it, and I've made a good living doing it. So. To have this horse keep going, I mean, I, I call him the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps going and going and going, and I don't see the distance. I mean, I'm hoping the distance isn't a problem. He's never been that far, but he didn't stop the other day going the mile and eight. He continued on, even after those horses got by him. He, he dug in, so I, I don't think the distance will be a problem. The last question I have for you, John, is if the horse places, finishes second to Maggie. Do you is it is it worthwhile financially for you to have done this? 
Oh, absolutely. And actually, I learned, I didn't even know this, but uh, I learned at the Alibi Breakfast the other morning, I didn't know because he's a Maryland bred, there's a $500,000 bonus. Right. So if I he, told if him he wins the, the race, breakfast. if he wins the race, correct? Well, I think I'm not sure. I think it breaks down for a second and third. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know that for sure, but okay. I will win it and try to get it all. And that's what I told the other owners <laughs> and trainers at the breakfast. I said, look, give a poor guy a break. I'm, I'm running for 500000 more than you guys. Yeah, right. You guys. And, and, but most of these other guys have all the money they could ever possibly need, right? Like, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, John, real quick. Can you tell us a little bit about your ownership group? Because it's not you're training the horse and you're part owner, but you have a couple of guys that you own this horse and some others with, right? Yeah, Fred Wasserloo and Anthony Garuso, great, great, great people. I, I actually am very fortunate. I have great owners. I deal. I actually train for Bird Moberly, whose mom Gretchen and Jack Moberly been in Maryland their whole, you know, their whole life until they passed away, and I really was honored that Gretchen uh, Bird's mom you know left a note or told her that she wanted me to train for her so I, I'm a, I have great owners and and Fred Fred's been with me for like 10 years Fred Wasserloo's and I mean it's hardly ever I get a phone call he never questions and he's having some health issues and he's not going to make it and it's it's sad uh-huh. That's, that is a shame but Tony Tony's a new guy and this is like one of the first horses with Tony we had a third partner, and he passed away. George Greenwald was a Maryland guy. And sort of Tony stepped in and took, you know, he just picked up the third. I do this all the time. I buy horses cheap, and then I sell two-thirds, and I keep a third. And that's the way I've found works for me. And uh, like I say, they don't bother me. Uh, well, Tony, I'm going to tell you, he's so excited. I've never seen a guy so excited. That's he cool. had two tables before I run him. In the Tessio, he was coming to the Preakness with me or without me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. That's great to hear. So he's really, really excited. He's bringing his family, and uh, he, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I mean, we're all excited, but it, I'm happy for him. He was here. He got in last night. And he put me. I got to straighten him out. He put me on a group text with about 20 people at 9:30 last night. He had gotten his picture taken with Baffert at the dinner, and this <laughs> my phone was blowing up, you know. And, I, and I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, you got to be up at two in the morning or whatever. Make sure you take care of the yeah, horse. Uh, gotta... And it's hard to turn your phone off with all this hype going on, and no something happens to your horse. So I had to hear it all night. Well, John, but that's all good. We'll get through it. It's fun. John, we appreciate you taking the time for us, man. It's a great local story, what it would mean for the entire region uh, if you guys were able to pull this off. Well, for the sake of it, I'm just going to throw a couple bucks on your horse no matter what, right? And, like, I'm just going to go ahead and yeah. play it in case it happens. John, congratulations. Uh, I think the return will be good. I hope you're right about that, my friend. Best of luck good tomorrow. Luck. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again come Monday about uh, being a Preakness winner. Really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thank you, guys. It's John Salzman, uh, trainer and co-owner of Coffee with Chris, a local horse, local trainer, local rider, all of the above for the Preakness. Very glad they weren't able to stick with the original name idea. Very glad somebody stepped in and made sure that didn't happen. All right, Stan the Fan is here with us on a Friday edition of the program. Today's show is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. Obviously, a very frustrating day at the ballpark yesterday, Stan. 
one of those things where when people say you'd rather just lose 12 to 3, sometimes it's like, yeah, you kind of would rather just get your butt kicked because it's very frustrating to lose a baseball game the way that the Orioles lost it yesterday. That being said, not the end of the world, and clearly they're still in good position. They now head to Toronto for three games. I think the most pressing thing that's about to come is that we think that a roster move is probably going to have to happen this weekend in order to make room for Michael Givens. Yeah. After we see Austin Voth, everybody struggled yesterday, we're being honest, right? Like, Bauman, Voth, and Perez all struggled yesterday. So where are you with who's the guy that goes now if Givens is coming to tomorrow? I would think it would be either – I know they probably don't want to send Cole Irvin back down, but I think it will probably be either Cole Irvin or Michael Bauman. Just because of the option. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued, but I'm still I like Austin Voth, and I asked Brandon Hyde a question yesterday, and he seemed like really like he confused what I meant. I asked him if he had thought Luke and I talk all the time. I tell you that mm-hmm. we text back and forth, and he always preaches about Baker that he needs you know if he gets a, a day's rest, he's one or two days rest, mm-hmm. he's really got it. And he said he didn't get that rest, and he put him in. He struggled a little to get out of that seventh inning, and then he put him back out for the eighth and then only brought in Voth when there were two men on. And I said, did you ever think of giving Voth a clean inning? And he goes, what what inning, uh, you know? And, And I go, you know, I said, Baker got out of the seventh and you let him come out. It would have been nice. I mean, Voth has a real hard time there. You know, being successful. Well, I certainly don't think Voth is a high leverage guy. I think we can all there's there's no track record of Voth being a high leverage guy. That, that's true, and he's. I'm certainly not comparing apples to apples by saying that it's like Colin McHugh, but I think I see a little Colin McHugh is in in Austin Voth. But again, I don't see him as a guy I want to come in and and have to get the strikeout to get out of the inning. Um, I I think you're probably right that they'd want it to be someone who has an option because I as we keep saying I don't think they want to give up on anybody. I I don't know that we're veering into unjustifiable because it's not like Bauman has backed up his absurd level to start the season. Like if Bauman was still pitching at that level, then it would be utterly unjustifiable for you to you know send him down and keep those guys. And as everybody pointed out, but until you know yesterday. Both both and Perez had pitched fairly well of late. They had both been trending back in the correct direction. I, I hate to make it on one at bat, but he gets this. Gives this is um, Bauman mm-hmm. gives a leadoff single in the six, gets the five four three double right. play, and then proceeds to walk the next guy with two outs. That guy ultimately steals second, second base, yep. and uh, I, you know I just don't understand. Why you wouldn't have gone to Voth to start that inning? Um, that's just me. What remind start, me? What it start, was the it was in that was it was in the eighth yeah. inning. You're talking he, about the eighth. Yeah, right. now I'm talking about so, the eighth. So Baker I, Baker comes in, walks Renfro, gets Drury on a ground out, and then he comes in in the top of the top of the eighth. He strikes out Chris Wallace, then gives up back to back singles to Ringifo and Neto. So you got runners on first and second. And he brings him in to pitch to uh, 
Ursula. But let me know. let me go back for a second. If both is if his role is your long man, right? If that's his value is being your long man, why wouldn't you go to him in the sixth? Why Bauman? I, I got very frustrated the other day, Stan. Overwhelming. Well, because they get they get caught up in my opinion, right. and I think Brandon is guilty of this. He gets yes. caught up in the roles of well, I don't bring him in in a one run game, right? You know, uh, in other words, if he's the long man, I'm in agreement with you. Because what, what I tire of is hearing the excuse after a loss that, well, Cano couldn't come in. Right. Well, if you know Cano can't come in, then why not use both earlier? Right, try to get a couple get of innings and, out of them. Two and right. a third off of them. Then maybe have the option to bring Baker in for one guy Correct. to get a strikeout in the eighth inning. Correct. And, he, and they always give the excuse, well, Cano, you know, we're – Fill in the name. Bautista, right. they weren't available. Well, if they're not available, be more proactive in your thinking of who makes sense in the that, six. That would be my thought process. And that was, again, at the time, if both was available, if you were ever going to pitch both yesterday, the sixth inning to me is when you would pitch both in that situation. I was really frustrated the other day, Stan. Like, again, it's not the end of the world. It, any one loss is not going to be necessarily what dooms the season. Right. Although it could be, of course. On, on Monday... The fourth inning was when I'm putting Cano in. I'm putting Cano in the fourth inning on Monday because that's when the game was at stake. That's the high leverage spot in the game. And you could feel it coming. Rodriguez stunk. He was putting multiple guys on every inning. It was not there. And when he gives up the home run to start the fourth, while I get it in that moment, you're not thinking the fourth is about to turn into a two runners on. The moment there's another base runner that goes on, I'm getting up Cano. And I'm saying the game, knowing who is about to come up in the order, understanding what you're dealing with the Angels lineup, that's the moment where I need my highest leverage pitcher going into the game, even though it's the fourth inning. And somebody would say, well, that sounds... very rare for managers to do that. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, You know, it's a feel thing. Right. Uh, But you could certainly feel... That that was not a night that Grayson Rodriguez oh, was going to succeed. Sure as hell didn't have it. On There is no doubt that he didn't have it. But yeah. the bigger issue was, to me, it's the combination of, the if that's the bottom of the order, yeah. then I'm not even thinking about it, right? But you know who's about to come up. And the moment there's a runner on base, you know, if he had said, well, Grayson's going to get through this, and even if we give up four runs, we're not going to tax our bullpen tonight. We're going to make Grayson get us through this inning, maybe ask him to do one more, which seems insane for Grayson to be the guy that you're doing that with. But if that's the case, that's the case. They waited two more batters. They taxed their bullpen anyway after they had already given up the three-run homer at that point. You need your highest leverage guy when the game is most at stake. And so I'm not I'm not a Brandon Hyde hater. I'm not one of I know these that. I know that. I'm not one of these losers on the internet that just thinks everything is always Brandon Hyde's fault, but I thought there were legitimate questions to be asked given the way the couple of these games turned this week yeah. about why it was that he made certain decisions and if you were ever going to pitch Austin Voth if Austin Voth was part of your plans for getting through the game yesterday to your point because Cano is not an option for the game then the sixth inning makes a whole lot more sense for Austin Voth than the eighth one at that point you can't use Austin Voth there's just nothing at all that suggests He's the guy for that moment. Well, he also seems like the type of guy. Uh, Zach Neto, rookie. By the way, he's going to be a terrific no question. shortstop. No question. Like, defensively, yep. he's wonderful. And he's going to hit. But I'd l- I would have liked to have seen both 
either brought in, like you say, in the sixth, mm-hmm. a clean eighth, right. or at the very least, after if you're one batter away from taking uh, Baker out, right. why not have both pitch to Neto, who probably has not seen a big league curveball quite uh, like uh, uh, okay. Austin Vogt. Okay. I mean, so, it's I a don't f- know. I, it bothered me a little bit yesterday. That You know, I really wanted to ask the question, but I uh, – I no longer ask these philosophical questions in the post game because all the writers look at me like I got four heads because right. they're worried about getting out of there. Uh, I wanted to ask: You've lost a lot of games here over four plus seasons. Mm-hmm. Do the losses like today now sting differently than say two years ago in July? I, you know, it felt that way for me. It felt it. It felt like a game that's going to stick in my mouth I, for a little. It while. was about as frustrating a loss as I can remember because it was such a great comeback. Every, every it had yeah. every you. It had the rush, rush a meter yeah, dynamic. Right. <laughs> Let me go back to something for a second though, which is it felt like what happened early on in the game was the baseball gods coming back to get you. Like this, I keep coming back to their struggles recently with runners in scoring position. And leaving men on base and just plainly unproductive at bats in these situations. Just dreadful at bats. I mean, really wretched, not working account, up there hacking, pop ups, awful at bats in big situations. It feels like you're supposed to pay a price for that. It feels like you're supposed to lose that game. But yet, here they are battling back anyway and getting, you know, Santander's home run and Rutschman's home run. And it just felt like, wow, for all of their sins early on in the game, which should be unforgivable, they're going to figure a way out of it anyway. Yeah, and it looked that way. Yet here we are. Were you okay with Mullins sitting against a lefty, considering you know all he's done is hit about six billion against lefties this season? Um, you know, given the overall day game after night game, I know he 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 is full intensity every game. There's no you question. Know. Uh, I didn't and a lot of people a, brought up the turf in Toronto this weekend, yeah, and you know, yeah, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm really beginning to have a problem with is Ryan Mountcastle batting in the center of this order. He can't bat after Adley Rushman again. I don't think after what happened yet, like them being able to, you know, essentially yeah, pitch around, yeah, pitch around Adley. Yeah. Like he, he is needs such protection. A, he so. is such. A, and and again, I'm not a Mountcastle basher, mm-hmm. but I've always been tempering my enthusiasm about him from one stat and that strikeouts to walks Mm -hmm. and this year people say what are you talking about he's driven in like 30 runs he's got 44 strikeouts and seven walks. i agree and he's batting fourth in your lineup yep and he it it really it's it's probably my biggest argument against brandon hyde right now is that decision he's got to do better and what what are the options? Well, you know what? Maybe Frazier, who's got a three thirty on base percentage, okay, even though he's hitting two thirty, mm-hmm. he's he gives you a tough at bat. Maybe lead him off and put Mullins in third, and Santander behind him. I mean, Mullins has been a and and I'm not saying it's got to be long time to put Mullins there. Maybe he won't succeed in that role, but he's a run producer right now. I don't know that I. I certainly don't see. I've like, actually argued for Henderson batting second, right? Like as as much as everybody gets well, on, would you lead off Rutschman. <sighs> well, or Austin Hayes, like yesterday. Again, Hayes has got thirty-eight strikeouts to ten. Yeah, that's 10 fair. Walks. It's I fair. Mean, 
he's he's not a he's not a horrible player. He doesn't excite. Could me you in do? The could you just flip? Could you do Mullins, Henderson, Rutschman, and then Santander, Santander behind Rutschman? You could. I mean, here's here's the really ballsy move: is is take Mountcastle and and all of a sudden just say, Ryan, you're the leadoff hitter. And just let him think of it. Like, they did, with, like, they, like they did with Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, uh, you're trying to force like him the, to work some. Just, yeah. Yeah, just hey, your job is different now. Don't be, you know. Right. It's like, just a thought. I mean, normally you would say, well, if you don't want him third or fourth, where's he batting? It would be sixth or seventh. But I'm saying maybe what you do is try and work a little magic with, hey, I'm in a different role now. I got to, I don't know. I, I just find him such a weakness in this overall lineup, and he's such an incredible athlete and has prodigious power. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, it's worked where you bat somebody like that or maybe bat him second, you know. I've, yeah. I, I, look, we've, we've had some awkward conversations about Mountcastle over the years, and like, how do you appropriately say, I appreciate what it is that he does bring to the table. And versus, by the way, he's become a very good he's, first he baseman. He has become a very good first baseman. But the, the flip side being, you're giving a position to someone that you're going to have lots of bats that you want here. Colt, it looks more and more like in the coming weeks, you're going to want, we're going to talk about Colton Kowser here with Jim Callis in a few minutes. Yeah. It's looking more and more like within the next month at the least, but I would think that we're starting to teeter and more like within a couple of weeks, we're going to have to start really aggressively having the Colton Kowser conversation about what what is the point now? What more could you possibly want for him to do than to try to inject another bat in your lineup? So in order to do that, if no one gets hurt, if everybody's healthy, what are you doing in order to make that happen? It's interesting that we've seen Anthony Santander play some first base recently. And while it hasn't been brought up, I do wonder if it, there's a thought there, like, hey, if we call up Kowser and we're not moving on from anybody, right. we've got to figure out how we get all of these guys in the lineup each day. And while, yes, Santander could just DH, I think we all agree that Santander is an outstanding – his arm is so good that you don't really want him out of the field. And I think he's improved range-wise over the years. I think he's a better you know, outfielder than when he started here – I still don't think he's an exceptional, you know. He's not an exceptional outfielder, but he's a solid. And the arm is so strong. He's like a Ken Singleton, you know, sitting in right field. So I think that you're trying to find different ways to try to get all of these guys in the lineup each day. And And Kowser being a left-handed and Santander being a switch hitter against right-handers, you could conceivably play Santander at first, Kowser in the outfield, and DH somebody other than Mountcastle, perhaps. Correct. Just a thought, right? Like, just a thought about what they might be trying to do moving forward. Kowser batting right now, 331 on base percentage, only 469. I don't know if that's going to work. OPS of, uh, I mean, uh, slugging 554. Which adds up to a uh, One. OPS one oh two three. You were here last week when I was somewhat scolding Griffin about some of the guests that we have on among minor leaguers. Yeah. I'm like, we got we got when the, you want to do the Colt. We had Colton on what, Wednesday of this week. Or yes, yesterday, yeah, Wednesday, whatever day it was. That's the interview that you want to do because the only question you can ask is. Got Keep your, going. <laughs> got your ticket to Baltimore? Right? Like, what else could you possibly say? There's not really anything to grill him about. And at some point, like, I, at some one of the, I don't remember if it was Koska or Mioli, one of the guys recently wrote a story about how, you know, he's actually played more games than Adley Rutschman has played at this point yeah. when he got called up. 
And I get it. There is the Rutschman. There was the additional pressure of him being Adley Rutschman. But at some point, we are teetering into there is nothing more for Colton Kowser to do. You're just kind of wasting it having him at the AAA level before too long. And I didn't think it would be before Memorial Day, but Memorial Day is 10 days away. We're 10 days out. Yeah, you're already 40-some games, and your quarter of the season is just about over. Exactly right. I think that we are within a couple of weeks of there needing to be a Colton Cowser decision that's made and just saying, as a lot of people do, hey, wait, somebody's going to get hurt. At some point, you don't wait any longer for somebody to get hurt. At some point, you say, we need to do what's best for the baseball team, and it's becoming more and more clear that what's best for the baseball team is giving Colton Cowser a shot at the major league level to see if he can inject even more into your offense. I'm interested in... in and, and Westberg's teetering on that, too. As I, well. I was just yeah. getting ready to say that's who I'm interested in talking to because I've seen Ortiz. I know he's still a prospect. I'm not writing him off. But if Mateo's I don't know, he, April... That, he turned that double play yesterday. It, that that was... Yeah, he's, I, he's, that showed you exactly what everybody raves about yeah. with Joey Ortiz. That's yeah. it, it looks so simple. That is an amazing turn of a double yeah, play. Yeah, it was a, a terrific double play. But I'm wondering... If Mateo's April was just right. fiction, right. and he's truly going to start to sink a little bit, and I'm wondering maybe it's time to take a look at Westberg. Uh, maybe they don't think he's a shortstop at all. Well, then is the question: Is it time to let Gunner try his hand at short? Right. I like, think they're. I think they're really into a let's turn Gunner into a great third, third baseman. baseman. Yeah, I think you're I right. I think about they that. feel. That moving him. Well, back I guess the other forth. question too is when is Arias going to be back yeah. as well? Like this yeah. is all part of this conversation. Is I don't know what the timeline is for Arias to return either. We'll talk more about Jordan Westberg and Colton Kowser and of course Jackson Holiday with Jim Callis here in a minute. Stan the fan is here. Stan, last night you were chatting with John Martin from John Maryland Martin, Lottery. director of the Maryland Lottery and uh, Maryland sports, ga- you know, sports gaming. Uh, and uh, we had a lively, interesting chat last night. You can find that right now. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, PressBoxOnline.com slash video. And then every Monday night at 6 o'clock, Stan, Luke Jackson, and Ross Grimsley talking baseball with you live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. One little quick story, uh, and you probably knew about it, but uh, for, I apologize. I should have run in the email I had. Her name was Pamela... Anderson, I was a big Anderson. fan. Big fan. Was big. it was it Pamela? No, I, no, no, I think her name might. I forget her last name. Is she's the one who got won fifty thousand dollars in conjunction with the fiftieth anniversary of the lottery? Oh, I did. Yeah, for the I home did. Run yes, contest. yes. And ironically, they, they, they were waiting on the home would, run. The other, yeah. she probably is waiting outside to kill me about because Ryan Mountcastle won her. Oh, 50, so she's that's her favorite player. So yeah. she's furious that here you are. Disparaging it was the 50th home run of the yes, season. Yes, correct. And they picked her name. They did it. They did a good job of dragging out the drama. They said they're there. doing that every 50 home runs, right? They're giving away 50. Another 50. No, they're doing another, one more one. later in the season. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, very good. Uh, find that show again, as I mentioned, uh, right now. YouTube.com/slash/pressboxonline. When we come back in, Jim Callis stands here. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley Bob, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Stan is checking his hair. Make sure it looks good on camera this morning. You look great, man. You look Thank incredible. You. Thank you. Stan the Fan Charles, of course, one of the uh, boys of Hamden. So if you want to oh, see more of him, that's right. theboysofhamden.com, you can see a lot more of Stan the Fan Charles there. Our but month hasn't come up. September yet, is September. our month. So if you already got your calendar, you're, uh, you're still a couple months away. I mean, you can peek if you'd like, but uh, if you want to wait it out, we're coming up for September. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by pressboxonline.com slash offers. Baseball season for the first time ever in the state of Maryland. You're able to bet through your phone legally, so why wouldn't you take advantage of all of the great incentives and offers that are out there for you to use some free money? Some I free did. I yeah, took, you took I all took of them, every I single one every of them. One. Look at you. And lost them all. I no, was going to say that's what I'm I thought winning, we were getting I'm, to. I'm actually doing fairly well in baseball. You can get up to a one thousand dollar deposit bonus match plus a fifty dollar free bet from DraftKings. Just go to pressboxonline.com/offers right now in order to claim this and many more great sign-up incentives. Uh, you stayed up and watched the in the, the entire end of the hockey game. Yes, last night? I I was. Uh, what was I doing late last night? Watched the basketball game. Yes, did I? And uh, then I was doing some watching my political shows. By the way, I'm not convinced that series is over. I'm not. I'm not convinced that just because the Nuggets went up two zero, that means the series is over. I, I. I don't think. I don't think they can win a game in Denver. I really don't. Okay. I mean, the, the, Lebr the LeBron has obviously looked rough in the fourth quarter. Yeah, There's the been no doubt about that. The altitude there is really takes a lot out of people. Even even if you're in, it's it's. 
you're taking you're getting 25 percent i think it is less oxygen yeah. mm-hmm. and they yeah. wasted the Rui game so yeah. right. you love you love Rui Hachimura. wizards look yeah. really good for trading hachimura yeah he looked well i mean he was very helpful last night yeah, sure. but ultimately it wasn't enough um and when the nuggets start hitting shots man they are you know when it's when it's something besides just Jokic, you can overcome. I mean, the Suns won a game where Jokic scored 50 points in the game. You can overcome just Jokic. When they're getting Jamal Murray, the, the way that Jamal Murray Murray's played in the first two games incredible last night. Nuts. Absolutely It's incredible. nuts. So the Nuggets look good. I'm not ready to say the series is over just yet. I'm just not ready to do that. I do think that at some point we will, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, of course, game two in the Eastern Conferences tonight. You know, that first game between the Heat and the Celtics, Yeah, that was one of the most intensely competitive NBA playoff games I've ever witnessed. I mean, the, the, the emphasis each team was putting on their defense, it was really high intensity. It was. I'm looking forward to it. That's tonight. So that's tonight and Sunday night, and then the next Western Conference game is Saturday night. That's the schedule for this weekend. We'll go over it a little bit more when we get the tubular. New top 100 prospects list out from MLB Pipeline this week, and anytime that happens, it's a good excuse for us to catch up with one of my favorite guests. He, of course, is Jim Callis, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Jim, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan Charles is here with me this morning. Thank you, as always. Really enjoy our conversations, man. No, I do, too. It feels weird. I feel like we should be talking about who's going, like, who are the Orioles taking at number yeah, three or it something. Is, it but, is. Uh, I do like this a lot better, yes, Jim. Than, I appreciate <laughs> all of those conversations, but this is better. Um, look, Jackson Holiday, I, I, I am I'm almost veering into dangerous territory right now. Right, Stan and I were just talking about this. What he's done, and I know he was number three on, on your guys' list, what he's done to this point at this young of an age makes you start thinking crazy things about what Jackson Holiday could be. It, are we in any world, is there danger that we're getting too carried away about this guy? Or when you see someone perform the way that he has performed in professional baseball at that young of an age, do you start thinking this guy might be even more special than we thought he was when he went number one overall? Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. Um, I, I'm the guy who earlier this spring on our pot on our pot MLB pipeline podcast said that I thought Jack, this before the season started that we were asked, somebody asked us who's going to be the number one prospect in baseball at the end of the season. Cause a lot of the top ranked guys were, were set to graduate. And I said, Jackson holiday. And I said, I don't want to be too crazy here, but as good as Gunnar Henderson is Jackson holiday was better at the same stage. He might be a better player. Uh, you know, and at the time Gunnar was our number one ranked prospect in the off season. And, you know, I mean, all Jackson's done since then is what? He's hitting 390 and he's tearing up high A after tearing up low A. Uh, I don't think it's dangerous territory. I mean, it, 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 I mean, look, I mean, we knew, obviously, you go number one, you're very, very good, but he just keeps getting better quickly and he's still so young. I mean, he went into last year, going into 2022. You know, he'd not had a great showcase circuit. I, I think he'd tell you he probably tried to do a little too much and impress and hit for power. And guys kind of looked at him as a second-round pick. And I, I know we talked about the number one pick last year, and we talked right. about Jackson. And I, I said a few times, like, the thing that stuck out to me last spring, like, very quickly guys are like, oh, this guy's going near the top of the draft if he doesn't go number one, is he got better in every phase of the game. And he was already pretty good. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a second-round pick, but he was a better hitter. 
he was stronger, he was faster, he was throwing better, you felt better about him staying at shortstop. And, you know, the, the thing I think that jumps out about him the most, if you had to pick one thing, is how, I think, calm and composed he is at the plate, and he walks a bunch more than he strikes out. Even though he's, you know, I mean, he'll be 19 all season. He, I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't think you can be too dangerous and – like I said, I was the guy who coming into the year said he's going to be the number one prospect in baseball at the end of the season, and that I thought he'd be better than Gunnar Henderson, and I love Gunnar Henderson. So you can, you can, you can, you can raise my hyperbole if you want. Wow. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much more we can gush about wow. this guy. Well, I, let's go to the next step, right, Jim? Is it crazy to think? Look, I, the Orioles look like they're going to be a good team this year and that they're going to be right in the throes of things. But that starts making you think about what they could be a year from now if they were to go out and acquire a pitcher, if they were to add a couple of pieces. Could they be a championship-caliber contender a year from now? Is it crazy to think, given his trajectory so far, that if the Orioles are in the throes of something special next summer, Jackson Holiday, before he's legally allowed to drink a beer – could be at the major league level helping a very good baseball team. Yes, I don't think that's ridiculous. Because, again, I mean, the guys who are these really, really special players, and Jackson Holiday looks like he's going to be a really, really special player, you can sit there and, and try to inject reason into projecting when they're going to get to the big leagues. And, you know, you can have a plan. Like, I mean, I think realistically the plan would have been, okay, you know, he played a little bit last year, a couple of years in the minors, some point in 2025. But when guys are this good, th- th- you could just throw the ETA out. They, they tell you when they're ready. And, like, I, I think, I mean, shoot, we're not even, we're, what, like five weeks into the minor league season right now? And I think at some point, I mean, I'm not saying that, I mean, they could give him a little more time, but if he keeps doing this for another month, I mean, you kind of have to put him in double A. I mean, if you're, if he's not getting challenged, you know, you need to challenge him. So I think he's going to be in double A by the end of the season. And then, you know, I don't only mean just August. I mean, if he's been what in Aberdeen for 19 games, so it's like, I'm not saying you have to promote him now, but let's say that you keep him there for another month and he keeps performing you know, he could be in double A by the end of June. And, and I love the guy coming into the year. I don't think I would have told you, hey, I think Jackson Holiday is going to be in double A by mm-hmm. the end of June. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I look, I mean, I know we're, all, we're going crazy. I'm kind of like you. I don't want to go too crazy. But, I mean, the guy's hitting 319 is an, 390, I'm sorry, is a 19-year-old in full season ball, and he's already been promoted once. It's hard not to get excited. I mean, it's a small sample size, but the guy's a career 502 on base percentage <laughs> in pro ball right now. Like, yeah. so, so, you know, I, I just think he's that good. And, you know, I mean, I, I'll be honest, when we revamped this top 100 prospect and it was more – it, it wasn't a full overhaul. You know, we vote on a new top 15, and then we, we, we move guys up and down if, they're gonna, if they need to move significantly. I voted Jackson Holiday as the best prospect in baseball. Wow. I, I would take him wow. over. You know, you offer me any prospect in baseball, whether it's Jordan Walker or Jackson Churio or Ellie De La Cruz, I'm taking Jackson Holiday. Yeah. Boy, you're not slowing us. The hype train's not slowing I, down at yeah, all. Yeah. Well, now, now we're just, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my foot on the gas. Wow. Like <laughs> we, we love we're, it. we're going even faster now. I want to move Jim off of one individual player to looking at your top 100. I count eight Baltimore Orioles in your top 100. Has that been accomplished by any other organization 
in the time you've put out the, the top 100? I think we've had some teams with nine. I know when really? I was at Baseball America, the Royals farm system that was building up to winning two pennants in the World Series had nine okay. at a time. And the funny thing was is that Salvador Perez was not highly regarded, and he was not one of those nine guys. But, you know, it was like Hosmer and Moustakis and, and some of those guys. But I, but I will say what's what I think more impressive about these Orioles is – they have eight guys on the list, and this is a team that just graduated Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson off the list. You know, I mean, yeah. Adley didn't graduate till you know, mid-2022, and Gunnar graduated earlier this year. I mean, that's two guys who were the best prospect in baseball when they graduated off the list, and they still have eight top 100 guys, and they still have, in my mind, the best prospect in baseball in Jackson Holiday. He's number three on our list. And they have our highest-ranked pitcher on the list in Grayson Rodriguez. And, I mean, the guy who gets overshadowed, all this guy has done is rake. And I know they took him. He was a little overdrafted in terms of where people thought he was going to go in the draft, save some money, and spread it around. But, man, Colton Calzer, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like even same thing for, for us. I'm not just saying – I'm not blaming you guys because I think we do too. I, I think Colton Calzer just gets kind of – you know, he's one of the other guys and, and doesn't get the spotlight, but – He's tearing up AAA, and he's played really, really well. And they've promoted him extremely quickly, and he's handled every challenge they've thrown his way. He's Jim Callis, MLB Network, MLB.com, MLBPipeline.com. He's with us here on GCR. I, I, I want to talk about Kowser, but I think that you, know, you and I have spent so much time over the years, Jim, talking about Heston Kerstad and, and where this could go. And I'm, I, I, at this point, do we, do we fully accept that he's just this guy again? That like you can assume he's probably going to be a solid middle-of-the-order type of major league hitter yet? Yeah, I and mean, it's funny. As soon as I got done talking about Kowser, I was like, geez, I didn't even mention Westbrook or Kirsten. Right, yeah, I, right. You know, we, we've talked so much about Heston over the years. And you know, going back to when they took him number two overall, and it's funny because I mean, everybody the, the narrative was you know that draft it was Torkelson and Austin Martin. How could the Orioles pass an Austin Martin? Right. Austin Martin isn't much of a prospect right now. And you know, I think I told you at the time that you know Kerstad. I mean, that was a and it was weird how it worked out because the player they were going to take with their second pick didn't get to him, who was Nick Bitsko, who's also been he's barely pitched in pro ball because he's been hurt so much. But, you know, as I point out, like, Orioles fans were not happy at the time, like, like Heston Kerstad. And, you know, I think I told you at the time, he was a legitimate top. You know, he was in the 6 to 10 range for most teams. You know, and then, look, they were trying to spread money around. But it wasn't like they just, you know, conjured this guy out of thin air and he wasn't a prospect. And, you know, between the myocarditis and then he had a severe hamstring pull, you know, he didn't get to play until, you know, well into last season, kind of mid mid-2022. And he tore up Delmarva, and then he struggled in high A a little bit. So I think the jury was kind of out on him. But, you know, in the fall league, which is a hitter's league, and everybody puts up big numbers for the most part in the fall league, he was great. He was the MVP. You know, there, there were some really good prospects there. You know, Jordan Walker, who's number one on our top 100 right now, was in the fall league, and there were some other guys. And there were scouts who told me they liked Heston Kerstad, you know, as, as much as any of those guys. Um, you know, he was a consensus top five prospect in the fall league. And, you know, I, I think the question was, okay, you know, the fall league's an offensive environment. He didn't hit in high A, you know, as much as he hit in low A last year when he was breaking pro ball. What is he really? And he's gone to double A this year, and the power's real. And, you know, he hit the, he hit the ball hard to all fields. There was big power. And I, I think, yeah, I, I think he's going to be exactly 
you know, what you said, a middle of the order hitter, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> the only reason he might not be a middle of the order hitter is, I mean, shoot, the middle of the order might be right. Holiday, Rutschman, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and Gunnar Henderson. So, like, he might have to bat sixth, I guess, or or you move everybody up in the notch. But no, he, I mean, the power is real, and you know, he was the best left-handed power hitter in his draft, and I think he looks like that guy. You know, he's going to be. It'll be power. You know, be power over hit, but it's not like it's a massive strikeout. You know, two twenty hitting guy. And, you know, he's an average defender in the outfield, but, you know, I think he's going to be a 25-plus home run guy. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've talked about this. I mean, it rarely happens this way, but it kind of is happening with the Orioles where all their very best prospects (laughs) are kind of delivering on their potential. How do you squeeze all these guys in the lineup? Good problem to have. Good problem to have. I want to move over to the pitching side of things. What and I hope you'll follow this for a second. I've been around a long time in Baltimore. Uh, I always I've gotten Dan Duquette to admit that one of his biggest disappointments was on how they developed Kevin Gosman and to some extent Dylan Bundy. Um, I see a little of that with what the club has done with Grayson Rodriguez. I know the pandemic's in the middle there somewhere. But I always wondered how few innings he was pitching. Was he truly developing as a pitcher? So it's not the exact same development foible that was was happening with Gosman. Do you see that that Rodriguez is a fully developed pitcher ready for the big leagues? I don't know if I'd say fully developed. I mean, he's, he obviously has struggled some you know, with the control and command, which he didn't in the minors. Um, but I do think uh, the flip side, I don't necessarily blame the Orioles for promoting him because I don't know that he had a whole lot to prove in AAA. I mean, you know, the reason he hadn't pitched more, you touched on it was the pandemic. You know, he kind of was on the normal development path you do with the high school pitcher. He pitched close to hundred innings his first year in pro ball. Then the pandemic hit. And so when they brought him back, they weren't going to like have him pitch a ton of innings because he didn't pitch a lot, you know, no, nothing in real games in 2020. So he pitched hundred innings in 2021 last year. You know, he probably would have been about 125, 130 yeah. if it wasn't for the lat injury. Right. Um, and I just, you know, don't think there was a whole lot left for him to prove in AAA. Now he may need to go back down there and get straightened out. But, you know, in the minors kind of throughout his minor league career, I mean, you were seeing a guy who had, you know, well above average fastball and changeup, plus slider, curveball decent, threw a ton of strikes. Like, you know, anybody, like, anytime I talk to scouts, you know, I think he would have been the big leagues last year if it wasn't for the last training. Yeah. He was on the verge of getting called up. So I don't feel like they've mishandled him. He just, you know, I, I think sometimes it happens. I mean, it happens to a lot of pitchers. Sometimes guys come up and they try to do too much and they overthrow and they don't locate their stuff. And I think he just needs to realize he doesn't have to do more to succeed in the big leagues. He just needs to, you know, he's got four, four, three really good pitches and a fourth useful pitch. Just throw him for strikes and you'll be fine. I, and he's kind of working through that right now. Staying on the pitching front, uh, we've had so many. D.L. Hall is such an enigma, Jim, and you and I have talked about him so frequently. And I'll give Stan credit. He was the first person that ever said to me, I think D.L. Hall is a reliever and I think they should get on with it. And you and I have had these conversations I don't look now, over his last 17 innings, he's got 27 strikeouts uh, down at AAA, and they have 
been doing an odd thing with him where he'll pitch six innings and then he'll pitch three innings the next time out. They're monitoring his innings down there after they said they were trying to stretch him out. I don't know exactly what the plan is at this point. But is there still a chance there that D.L. Hall is finding himself to be a quality major league starter? Well, I think what they're doing now, and, you know, we talked about managing innings. I mean, he, you know, only pitched 84 innings last year. So you probably aren't going to take him much over 120. And I think they're trying to preserve innings so that when he's back up in Baltimore, which is the plan at some point this season, you, know, you don't run out of innings right. in late August. So right. I, th- I think that's the reason they're doing the, you know, six innings, three innings thing. I, I, I don't know. Like, like maybe Stan was first, but you know, Glenn, I've said this I a know, bunch of times. I I, I, I've I always been the low man on – I like D.L., and he's a big leaguer, but I thought D.L.'s a reliever for a long time. Yeah. Going even back to pre-pandemic, he's never thrown consistent strikes. He's averaged more than five walks per nine innings throughout his minor league career, which is six seasons now. I mean, that's not even counting the pandemic. I, I just – you know, and he hasn't been particularly durable. He's never thrown 100 innings. I mean, is there a chance he could be a starter? Sure, because, I mean, these days, I mean, a lot of starters don't go past four or five innings. I, I just think, and, I, I, you know, Stan and I are on agreement on this one. For a long time, I just looked at him. I think he's more of a two-pitch guy than a three-pitch guy. I mean, the change has gotten a little bit better, real... but I think it's fastball, breaking ball, and the control's not better. I think it's a... I think it's a reliever, and I think he could be a quality late-inning reliever. Um, but I get why – you know, I mean, the Orioles need starters. I get why they're still exploring that path. But he's 24. I, I You know, I, I think they've got to figure out in the next year or so, you know, what are we doing with him, and let's just go forward and do that. And I think – and not, I, I'm sorry, I inter- tried to interrupt you there. I think he's a real weapon late in ball games or early he's in too. games that we were talking about when is the leverage spot in a game – but to me, he's like an Andrew Miller out of the bullpen, and they are wasting time and pitches, and I think he'll be in his rocking chair by the time he ever stretches out uh, to, to be a 120-inning guy or something like that. I like that Andrew Miller comparison. I think that's very apt. Andrew Miller was a first-round pick. He was probably, you know, I think the consensus best player in his draft, and he can never put it together as a starter. And then he was a quality – and I'm with you. I, I think if you put DL in the bullpen and said throw your fastball, throw your breaking ball, simplify things, I think he – you know, we're not talking like, oh, he's a reliever, he's a failed starter. We're talking about, you know, you can pitch this guy, you know, you're in a playoff game and your season's on the line, and DL Hall is going to be out on the mound. So yeah. I, I'm with you 100%. I would, I would probably start leaning that way. I mean – I probably would have done it already, but mm, I would be trying I to develop him as a reliever who can help my team, you know, in June. I accepted it from both of you, and I, I, I was, in fact, furious that that wasn't the thought process at the beginning of the season. And yet, over the last 22 innings, yeah. 32 strikeouts, nine walks, yeah. right? Like, I, I don't know. And, and we, we do have to give the Orioles credit. They're doing a lot of things really well developing, yeah. guys. Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll give them credit for that. I'm not, I'm not going to claim I know more than Matt Blood and company. Jim, I'll just say this to give you a little bit of my credibility on this. I debated Kevin Malone time when he was the assistant GM of the Orioles. I debated him time and time again about Arthur Rhodes, and he kept saying, no, Rhodes is going to be a great starter. And I said, the guy is a relief pitcher. You're wasting time. And the guy it turns had out he was a pretty damn year, good relief. He turned out he earned yeah. $38, 40000000 million. Right. Dollars, you know. <laughs> pretty damn good one. 
Uh, Jim, what all can we plug for you, my friends? Well, I, I guess next coming down the road, and like I said, it feels weird. We're not like, hey, who are the Orioles taking at number three or number one or whatever. We, we're working on our draft top 200 list. We're expanding from 150. We're moving guys around. And that will be out not next week, but the, the last week of May. So that's kind of our our next big thing as we continue to delve deep in the draft. And real quick, in case you ask, I have no idea who the Orioles are taking at seven. I'm hoping it's Ma- I'm hoping it's Matt Shaw from Maryland because I love him. I love Matt he. Shaw. You know, that's not a bad pick. I mean, he he's going to go in that area. I mean, he's probably a second baseman and not a shortstop, but, you know, Cape MVP, right, right. guys love him. I mean, he might go before the Orioles pick, wow. but that would be wow. that, that would be a good – that's a good aspiration. I, I they like don't, they don't really need another infield prospect at this point, but I just <laughs> like Matt Shaw that much. Well, I, I will say this. I mean, if you were drafting for need, not that you do that in the first round, I mean, you'd like to see the Orioles get, you know, preferably a college pitcher who right. might, you know, be able right. to help. And it's a terrible draft for college pitching. Great. There's like three college pitchers <laughs> – who will go well before 17. And then there's a, I mean, Hurston Walder from Florida might be on the board, but he's got a five ERA and he might be a reliever. So I, I think they're getting you another position player of some sort that they'll have to try to squeeze into the lineup over the next couple of years. Again, but like, good if you problem. take Matt Shaw, who's, where's he playing? Where's he going to play? I, I don't, I mean, you've got, Mateo playing great D. Joey Ortiz is a great defender. You've got Gunner. You've got Jackson holiday. Um, I don't know where Matt Shaw would play, but like you worry, you don't worry about having too much talent. You just take the I, best. That's guy. exactly how I feel right now. At Jim Callis, MLB on Twitter is how you follow. Thanks, him. Jim. We can't do this enough, man. Always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Oh no, I, I always enjoy it too, and uh, I, I hope I got you guys even more ramped up about Jackson. No doubt, Holiday. we are. We are over the moon. Are man. Over Thank the you, moon. Jim. Yep. Appreciate you. Jim Callis with us, uh, as you know, one of my favorites. Always appreciate him taking the time for us. And uh, we'll uh, we'll roll right through because Ryan Spielberg is about to join us here on GCR. Today's show, uh, or just a reminder, as we're talking about Jackson Holiday, this print issue of Pressbox is available right now, diving into that pipeline of talent, those eight top prospects that Stan was talking about in the top 100, featured heavily in this print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Go get that right now. And then on top of that, in concert with that print issue of Pressbox, we want to give you the chance to go see all of these minor league prospects this summer so you can win four tickets to all of the area's minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25. And, as if that wasn't enough, you can also get a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests right now in order to sign up and win. Must be 18 or older in order to sign up. Stan the Fan is here. Stan, Orioles, Blue Jays tonight. Uh, fun weekend broadcast-wise. Our old friend, you know, uh, the Otters doing the games this weekend on Saturday and yep. Sunday. Greg Olson's going to be in the booth. We love Greg, and I know he's been through a lot with yep. a cancer diagnosis. Happy to see him back and involved cancer with the free team. Right yep, now. that's yep. a wonderful thing. Uh, but tonight, the game is on Apple TV. And our next guest, who I've always enjoyed chatting with, of course, a former big leaguer and a man who you now here on MLB Network Radio, and he'll be part of the broadcast tonight for Orioles Blue Jays. He is Ryan Spielborgs, and he's back with us on GCR. Ryan, it's Glenn and Stan Charles in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. 
Yeah, my pleasure. How are you guys? Everything we're is good, Spilly Goat. Yeah, uh, other other than what happened in the eighth inning yesterday, we're yeah. good here. Other than that, everything is all right. Um, Ryan, I, I imagine you know not getting around, and I know you've got some connections to the Orioles, um, but I imagine getting the opportunity to see up close and personal one of the more exciting stories in baseball this season. Like I know you get excited about any assignment, but I would think that this one's probably a little bit more. You know, even on that level, exciting for you, right? Yeah, no question. I mean, I a couple things. I forgot to get my passport uh, renewed, so I had to expedite it, and uh, so that was kind of chaotic because I didn't think I was going to be able to make this this trip. So I'm glad I did. Uh, it, it became more complicated because I lost my p- passport about a year ago, so I couldn't just send it in for oh renewal. God. So anybody out there in Baltimore, if you're thinking about uh, traveling, it's it's about 14 to 17 weeks to get your passport, unless you pay a lot of money. And so, yeah. Even, even for Ryan I mean, Spielborgs? You couldn't, uh, you couldn't say, don't you know who I am? Right. right. That always works <laughs> well. That, that's, yeah, that, no, that doesn't work for me. Unless they think I'm Steven Spielberg, which is completely <laughs> different last name. So, no, uh, no relation. But I, I would say... You know, both these teams, Toronto and, and Baltimore, and not just these teams specifically, I think any sort of American League East matchup that you get is exciting. I mean, this division is, is nasty right now. They're the only division that has all five of their teams over 500. Red Sox are in last place, and they're 24 and 20. Uh, there's a lot of teams that would, would love to trade places with the Red Sox for the record. And so uh, I think what, what excites me about Baltimore and Toronto uh, from the perspective of, you know, projection, I, I had Toronto as a World Series team this year, and I see Baltimore as a team that's going to be in the World Series in the next couple years. I mean, it could be this year. They have all the tenets of what I look for in a in an organization, as far as youth, core players, veteran players, people that are in their prime, people that are just starting to peak. Uh, pitching staff, I, I feel really confident with the back end of the bullpen, even though the last couple of days, maybe not so much. But that uh, I'll explain why it happened to you in a second. I just think these two teams, they're they're on a similar trajectory at the same time. It, it feels like they're they're the two Spider Mans pointing at each other. They're very <laughs> very similar uh, in in their skill set. So that's that's what makes this specific matchup so much fun is that they, they are almost mirror images of each other. I think Toronto is probably a year ahead of Baltimore, but that's how close they are as far as being in their competitive window. Ryan, I just want to take a shot that you know the answer to this. When the Orioles made that trade with Minnesota last year, they traded Lopez over mm-hmm. there and got back Cade Povich. There was a guy that, you know, had pitched seven or nine innings for the Twins last year, and his ERA was like eight and a half. And I referred to yeah. him as a throw-in, and I'm talking, of course, about Yenier Cano, who all of a sudden yep. looks like a, an unbelievable piece in this drama. Uh, do you have any idea what he did or what the Orioles helped him do to to unmask this guy? Uh, well, his story is pretty incredible. Uh, he was he was a player. He was born in Cuba. Uh, he was actually out of baseball because he, he asked to uh, move to the United States and uh, was banned from baseball when he was in his teens. So he went a couple of years without playing wow. baseball, and then he, he slowly learned this changeup. And over time, 
he slowly started to move his arm angle down. So this year, compared to last year, he used to be more over the top. Now he's he's coming from that three-quarter arm arm slot, getting a crazy amount of run on his two-seam fastball. And then with the changeup, there, there's no batting average against his changeup this year. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, some of his physical changes that he's had. But I, I would assume his, like, mental fortitude and determination and uh, not ever wanting to have another 9 ERA again yep. uh, is, is kind of built into his constitution. I mean, he's a, he's a really great story. Uh, I don't want to jinx him at all, but I mean, the fact he's given up four hits this year and one extra base hit is just, it's, it's crazy. Bonkers. That's insane. Yeah. It's bonkers. Ryan Spielborgs is with us. He's on the broadcast tonight for Apple TV for Orioles Blue Jays. Ryan, you mentioned a second ago, like, you know, maybe the Orioles could compete for a World Series. And I, I sort of hear in what you're saying the way that I felt about this team, which is I don't want to say they can't do anything because they're an excellent team. I, I would argue their profile isn't necessarily to me a World Series contender just because specifically of the top of the rotation pitching. Um, do you feel like if they were to inject either via trade this year, in the offseason next year, one two of those guys who knows maybe we still get to a point sometime this season with Grayson Rodriguez it's been a struggle but there's the belief that he has that type of profile that that might be the biggest difference right now between a contender a good baseball team that can compete and a team that can compete to legitimately win a world series uh so a couple things I I I, you know I played in an organization with the Colorado Rockies and we made it to the world series in 2007 uh, and if if I was to take you through the list of our starters, you wouldn't know any of them. Uh, I, I think if wait, wasn't if it, wasn't consider, Ubaldo on that team? Uh, Ubaldo was coming out of the bullpen late. Wow, uh, man. And yeah, Jeff and Jeff Francis was was probably our our main starter. Wow. I, I just you know we had guys like Josh Fogg and I mean like like most <laughs> people are like who the heck is he talking about? I just want to point out when it comes to, you know, certain dynamics of a team, name recognition is really important. I mean, it really is. When you, if you have, for example, the Kansas City Royals, when they won their World Series in 2015, they made a pretty big trade to land Johnny Cueto. Right. And it caught, you know, it cost a, a couple prospects and, and I'd give you a dollar for each prospect if you can name them. And then I'd give you a dollar for every day that those guys spent in the big leagues and I would still have all my money. Hmm. It, it just, they traded a lot of prospects at the time for Johnny Cueto and people are like, Oh my God, that's too big of a package. Well, they got Johnny Cueto for two months. They won a world series. It was worth it. And those four players really didn't amount to much at the major league level. So I, I think in the case of, of Baltimore being comfortable, being aggressive is important, but at the same time, making sure that you're not just making a decision to get a player that's not going to move the needle. I mean, the, the Mets will tell you uh, when they traded for Carlos Beltran, they gave up Zach Wheeler to the Giants, and Carlos did nothing for them at that moment. So, like, there's all these different scenarios of, of the risk-reward. But in the case of Baltimore, I do think their their pitching staff is a little short. Uh, I, the back end is going to be fine. If they want to get aggressive, I think there's a there's plenty of teams out there that will have some pieces that you can trade for. Uh, but you would hate to move on from you know some of your your top prospects in the minor league system. So uh, it's it's kind of a it's a it's a very cautious path that you have to take because you don't want to give up years of control 
and future of some good-looking prospects for months of control of maybe like a veteran star with some name recognition. So you got to be careful with what you do. Do you have a uh, in your head as, uh, like three to five pitchers that you think will be available at at crunch time this year? I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez comes to mind. Sure, Alex Cobb. Do you have a list of a few? Yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to get into something that would move the needle, you, you would you kind of hope that Milwaukee falls apart, right? And then you could possibly look at a Freddie Peralta or a Corbin Burns. Burns is going to cost you, but you also get an additional year of arbitration. Um, the White Sox are a disaster. So you can, you know, is there a Lucas Giolito? I, I mean, personally, I would go for uh, a Dylan Cease type pitcher. That way, again, you're, you're getting years of control. So I, I think there's there's players and, 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 you know, organizations out there that would probably be willing to move on from from certain pitchers that, that they have, but you, you, you're essentially picking from the bottom of the barrel as far as teams with, with losing records. So yeah. I don't think you want Patrick Corbin, right, from the Nationals. <laughs> so I, I think there's a bunch of different – I think there's pitchers out there that could impact the Orioles, but as far as like a top name, I mean, other than I – would, I would throw out Corbin Burns if Milwaukee fell apart uh, as, a, as a really nice fit for, for Baltimore. Can I just follow up with one thing? You mentioned a guy that wasn't on my list in Patrick Corbin, but you'd probably get the um, Nationals to eat a good chunk of it. They could almost work the deal out on the Masson deal on picking up. <laughs> on pay- but anyway, but is there something still left in Corbin that the Orioles pitching guru, Chris Holt, and maybe the analytics people could could find something they turned Matt Harvey into a usable, serviceable, yeah. firm, serviceable yeah. starter. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always like Baltimore has a couple things going for them, you know, not just from from pitching and and from coaching staff. You, it's a pretty hitter. It's not as hitter friendly as it used to right. be. Moving the yeah. wall back has has been significant. I think defensively for. For this group, they're a very good defensive unit, so you'll get a, a bump there because you know Washington's not the best defensive team in baseball. So there, you know, you also get a little bit of a change of scenery. I think it could work. I mean, it, it, you're going to have to dig into the overall, you know, how well is is Corbin is is uh, Patrick Corbin spinning the baseball? Uh, is he getting still getting swing and miss with his slider? Can he still command some fastball? Uh, and and if you think that they're still something in there that can get you I mean ultimately and this goes back to what what you just saw against the the Angels this last series is you really need to get some better starting innings because yeah. then you're forcing uh Brandon Hyde to use his bullpen I mean his bullpen in that Angel series you guys have a great bullpen but they were overused yeah. right so yeah. um that's what ended up happening so it cost you Brian Baker through three of the last four days and he's been one of the better relievers in baseball. He was gassed, you know? So you're, you're seeing guys that are gassed, and now you have a series against Toronto where you have a three-game series, and you're going to have to use their bullpen again. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that you guys have played, what, 22 games in 22 days? So you, you need starter depth, uh, and, and that I don't know if Corbin would fit that. Uh, just another minute or two, Ryan Spielberg's with us before he gets ready for Apple tonight and Orioles-Blue Jays. 
Ryan, it's with that in mind, and I want to kind of put two guys together in this conversation because I think there's a question about patience um, that's happening in Baltimore because the games are so important. And as you bring up the kind of lack of innings that you're getting, there's there's a, a chat that's happening with Grayson Rodriguez right now and about whether or not maybe he does need to be sent back down or you know, you maybe invent a, an IL stint at some point to try to handle this, but how much rope can you give someone where you know the talent is there, it's just not consistently working at the major league level, and to your point, it is starting to tax your bullpen a little bit at the same time because you're not getting innings from anybody else, and then I'm going to get into a gunner conversation after that. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, as far as Grayson's concerned, I mean, it, it, it just boils down to throwing strikes. So if you can get him to be willing to stay in the strike zone with the stuff, the stuff plays. Uh, it's just when he nibbles or if he's not being aggressive. So, I mean, that's that's more mentality versus, hey, you're getting your butt kicked at the major league level and your slider stinks. Um, <laughs> this is more just get be aggressive. You know, use your stuff. Challenge big league hitters. There's always an advantage for a pitcher when, you know, the league hasn't seen him. And I, there's also plenty of examples of, of pitchers that have you know, not had success as a starter at the major league level early. Uh, go to the minor leagues or, or you know, be reused in in the bullpen, and then they start to find their way. So, I mean, there's there's a ton of different scenarios. I would continue to kind of let Grayson pitch and see if he can get the aggression to be in the strike zone a little bit more because um, sometimes it's just, you know, trying to encourage somebody to have an alter ego, hmm. uh, which is kind of fun to see. And so that's that's possible. I mean, it's totally possible. And I'm telling you, when the teammate sees that happen to some player, it's one of the coolest things ever. So, um, yeah, I mean, that I think Grayson is okay. You got to keep letting him go, but he also has to understand, you know, his failures doesn't weigh on the team, but it certainly doesn't <laughs> help if he's not getting at least five innings. And then the the other guy, like I don't know what to do this to how to appropriately discuss Gunnar Henderson because he's hitting 197, but he's getting on in a 342 clip. Like he is. It's a team that's struggling badly with runners in scoring position of late, and they need big hits. And sometimes you need Gunnar Henderson to be the guy that comes up with a big hit. But he's got like the third best on base percentage on the team at the same time. So I don't know how we appropriately discuss Gunnar Henderson at the moment. Uh, I mean, is it, has his defense gotten really bad? Because if, if, if that's part of it, then, you know, you can make an argument to send him down. I wouldn't. I think he's he's part of the future. I think he's a building block. I think the fact that he does have he has been playing solid defensive third. I think the fact that he has an on base percentage of three fifty. There's plenty of teams that would would do anything for a three fifty on base percentage. So the skill sets there. I like. The, I'm always reminded of the story of of Jeff Francoeur and Bobby Cox, and the same thing. Francoeur was really struggling early in his career, and uh, Bobby Cox pulls him into the office. Frank Cora thinks he's about to get sent down to the minor leagues. And Bobby's like, dude, you're not going anywhere. I'm just letting you know you're my cleanup hitter for the rest of the year. So just go out there and play. And sometimes you just got to get out of your own way and go out there and play. So if if, if you feel like if Gunner feels like he has the backing of the organization and uh, the front office and his manager and his teammates, and even if he's not hitting the ball as well as he can right now, but he's still getting on base, playing good defense, and being a quality teammate, there's there's zero reason to send him down to the minor leagues. If he's doing the opposite, 
then yeah, you can give him a breather. Ryan, I think real quick, if you get a chance to talk to Brandon Hyde, I think you'll find that what they've done, rather than give him any doubt about going anywhere, I think they've moved him strictly to being a shortstop. I mean, excuse me, strictly a third baseman, thinking that the moving back and forth might have lessened his ability to get it down at third base. And I think his defense has been somewhat better. Yeah, his he made arm a heck of a throw the other night. Be, yeah, yeah. He, he can tend to have erratic arm, but he's got an incredibly strong arm. Uh, but I think that that's what they're doing to solidify him right now. Yeah, see, that's, that makes sense. If he can get a player to just focus on one spot, uh, that usually takes a lot of pressure of, of the rest of the stuff. But it'll click. I mean, that guy's too good to not hit. So <laughs> there'll, there'll be a period in, in his in his little run, probably in like the next month or so, where he catches fire and everybody's like, oh, my God, this guy's so good. Do you have any memories of a young Jackson Holiday running around uh, at all in Colorado? Do you have any, hey, like, kid, get out of here. Were you ever asked to babysit or anything like that? A hundred percent. I've flipped that kid more baseballs than, and, and little wiffle balls than virtually anybody. That's cool, man. Um, I watched that kid grow. Yeah, I watched. We were in, uh, we were in the waiting room when Ethan Holiday was born in wow. Tucson, Arizona. So wow. we've we've been very close to that family. We've I've watched him grow. Um, I will tell you, last year when Jackson was drafted, there was a chat log of about ten Rockies players that were uh, in that clubhouse. And when his when Rob Manfred said Jackson Holiday first overall pick, um, there were tears. There were happy tears from the group. That's a great story. So you know, it felt like felt like one of our own kids. Uh, getting really it. Cool. So we've been very proud of him. That's really cool. Well, I mean, right now we're losing our minds about him because yeah. he's unbelievable. And cool. and I remember something, Ryan, like when we drafted him, I think Matt Matt said it or Jackson said it, that he the other brother, Ethan, that you just mentioned is even better. Had you have you <laughs> heard that? Uh I know the same chat log we're actually asking if uh, holidays would let us have Ethan as ours because it's not fair because there's a good chance you're going to have two number one draft picks. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, unbelievable. that's unbelievable. Spilly Goat 19 on Twitter, of course. Uh, MLB Network Radio and tonight Apple TV Plus for Orioles Blue Jays. Ryan, really appreciate taking the time, man. Hopefully you'll be able to make it out of the country okay and a little bit easier than you got into the country. Thank you for doing this, dude. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Ryan Spielborg's with us here on GCR before that one tonight been a busy morning and we still have more to do when we come back in peter milliman head coach johns hopkins sunday in annapolis they take on notre dame who Ooh, that's a tough that's one. a really notre tough dame. one uh for a spot in the final four he's going to join us next and the fan is here it is a friday edition of glenn clark radio what air conditioning company can save 50 percent of your energy cost and qualify you for up to 7500 dollars in rebates A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms 
Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles is here with us this weekend. Two games up in Albany tomorrow and then two games in Annapolis on Sunday in the NCAA lacrosse tournament, the final game of the weekend Notre Dame against Johns Hopkins. Joining us now, he is the head coach of the Blue Jays. We welcome back to the program Coach Peter Milliman. Coach, it's Glenn and Stan Charles. It's great to catch up. Congratulations on an outstanding season. I know you got more to do, but thank you for taking the time for us. For sure, guys. Thanks for having me. Coach, I just wonder, like when, when Patrick and I talked to you before the season, did you have uh, in your gut, did you know this was coming? Did you sense that these guys were ready to make the jump that you guys made this season? Um, I, I would say that there's a, a pretty good confidence with the group as a whole that, that you know, we were capable of a lot more than we were doing. Um, you know, I don't know if I could ever tell you how good a team is going to be in the fall or even throughout the season. Sometimes it's uh, it's a moving target. I mean, it's, it's, it's always going to be a degree of uncertainty. So, um, you know, sometimes I think we were uh, – you know, we were impressing ourselves, but, but more often, I think we were just really, uh, you know, digging in for, for progress. We were just trying to get better and, and embracing the opportunity to be together. And I think that's, you know, ultimately what, uh, what this season has been about. This game you got coming up on Sunday against Notre Dame, you know, they say sometimes styles make the, make the game. How do you think you match up with Notre Dame? I mean, I hope we match up pretty well. I think uh, I think they do some things that uh, that are challenging for sure. Um, that we've uh, you know we've got to focus on and, and prioritize. But uh, I think we do too. So you know, I I think it's going to be a good con- a good contest. I think it's uh, you know two quality teams that are going to be scrapping and uh, and competing pretty hard. Um, you know, they're very impressive. They've got a, a you know pretty impressive resume. They've done some some great things so so, so far this year. But um, 
you know, I think our guys are, are excited for the opportunity, looking looking for the chance to, to earn another week together. If I could, uh, Coach, it, singularly, is there one thing that you could define? Like, we were able to turn and make this jump this season because of blank. Is there anything at all that you would say, this stands out the most to me, that was the definitive point in how we were able to get Johns Hopkins lacrosse back to being Johns Hopkins lacrosse? Uh, I don't think there would be something systematically I would point to. I mean, I think we've we've – had to progress and do some things better um, in in a lot of different areas, but I think overall um, the teams continued to come together. They've uh, you know really been challenging each other and pushing each other more. Practice has been more competitive. Um, they're they're you know really pushing to hold each other accountable more and more off the field. I think yeah. those are those are dynamics that lend uh, to on field success. But I don't think there's anything specifically we did on the field or any one player that's going to make a difference to you know or to our team's success. Um, you know, we're just we're just trying to compete uh, as a whole and do everything we can to make this group better. Um, Coach, you guys obviously you have this incredible emotional win over Maryland at the end of the regular season, and then end up losing in the Big Ten tournament. I was talking to Ryan Evans about it last week, and got the sense that maybe that might have provided like a little bit of a wake up call. Obviously, you guys turned around and looked unbelievable against Bryant on Sunday. Did you feel any of that for your team that like that provided a bit of a reminder of hey, we haven't. We haven't done the thing yet just because we won a big game. There's still a lot of work to do if we want to win a national championship. Yeah, I think that's probably an accurate uh, judgment of it. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's no way around it that that win in the rivalry game at the end of the regular season was uh, was a was a was a big it was a big opportunity for our guys to 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 do something for this program. It was yep. a big it was a big win. You know, that game last year was not competitive and. Um, for them to turn around in one year and 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 win that game was, um, you know, there was a climax to it. And I think for sure uh, it followed with a little bit of a lull. And and you know we tried to address it during the week. We kind of you know saw it. And, and but it was also you know it's kind of the the ebb and flow of the season. You know, it's just sometimes those things are it's, it's human nature that that you're going to be fighting that battle. Um, and and we didn't we didn't find success the next week. But I think it it you know to your point and to, to Ryan Evans point it, uh, it, it, it probably directed the mentality afterwards is that, you know, there was, um, I don't want to say an alarm going off, but really or like a reality check that like, you know, that, that energy has got to exist for us to play our best. You know, we're not just going to stroll in and be good enough. doesn't matter if we beat this team yesterday or a week and a half ago or last year, you know, everybody's trying to win and, 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 you know, everybody's competitive. So we just, you know, we got to put our best foot forward. We got to dig in throughout the week and we got to challenge each other to be, you know, to be our best on game day. Did, did you know what you were getting with Russell Melendez? It's such a cool thing when you have a local kid and, and, and someone who I know, you know, loved Johns Hopkins and wanted to be there. Did, did you know mm-hmm. that he was going to be this for this team and be able to deliver at this level and obviously, you know, an insane performance to start the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable saying no. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I I didn't know Russ that well through the recruiting process. I didn't get that close to him. Um, my assistant did. Uh, Coach Crawley knew him very well. Was very excited about him, and and was one of the first conversations we had when uh, when he came on board. He's like, "What do you think about Russell Blendez? He's in the transfer portal." And I was like, "If you like him, I like him. I don't know him that sure. well." And he's like, "I love him. So let's go after him." And so um, we did. And and you could you could tell that there was some ability as as soon as Russ showed up, but. Um, you know, he's, he's a good example. I mean, he's continued to get better. His progress throughout the season has really, really been significant. He was moving around positions early on. He, you know, wasn't as consistent. And I think really the last, you know, month or month and a half of the season, he's, 
he's kind of taken shape and, and been, you know, a really dependable uh, force for us on that end of the field. So, um, I don't know. Maybe some people knew. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna claim any credit for I it at all. I'd say he's he's a great kid. That's as far as I knew about it. Coach, when you took this job at Hopkins, did you have any idea how quickly some of these teams, like Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn Michigan, State, wow, were, yeah. were were gonna be of the same ilk as the Maryland's, Virginia's? I mean, it, this is some gauntlet that you have to go through in the Big Ten now. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I mean, you you can get a sense of it from from a distance. I mean, I played against a few of the the Big Ten teams uh, previous to to John to my time at Johns Hopkins, but I didn't. I didn't. You know, obviously, it's different when you're in the conference and you're going head to head every week. Um, but you know, you can see it in the recruiting game and and who's you know who's landing what what guys and and how those teams are stacking up against other competition. I mean, I knew. I knew this this schedule was going to be challenging, and these teams were going to be were going to be strong. I mean, three of the last eight teams standing are Big Ten teams, and and argue. I mean, the defending national champions, not one of them. So right. you know, I think it's a it's a strong, um, you know, it's a strong conference top to bottom, and uh, and and I think it's going to continue to 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 be competitive year in and year out. And I'm, you know, we're excited to be a part of it. Um, you know, embracing the opportunity, but uh, hopefully, it's it's continued to elevate our ability because of the the gauntlet we're having to go through that you mentioned. Sunday, 2.30, in Annapolis, Johns Hopkins, Notre Dame. I imagine uh, that the coach wouldn't mind if there was an outstanding home field advantage uh, for Saturday's game with a bunch of Hopkins fans making the trip to uh, the short trip to Annapolis to support the Jays. Um, coach, yes, I, 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 yeah, right. I have no doubt that would be a huge benefit for you guys against a team oh. as good as Notre Dame. Um, I, I asked this question knowing, as I pointed out, you're going to say, hey, we haven't accomplished anything yet. we got bigger goals. Like, I know that. But – Given what you know, what it had been like, the difficulties of the pandemic and everything that you guys had to go through in order to establish this, how important has it been for you as a coach, as the leader of the program, to be able to say, we did this. We, we got Johns Hopkins where I was hired to get Johns Hopkins lacrosse back to. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you prefaced it before you even said it, but that's, you know, making the playoffs is not, is not an accomplishment that, uh, that deserves this, 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 this title. Um, you know, you, uh, you get an opportunity to lead the, the most historic program in the country. I just, I want to do right by the guys uh, that are in the locker room. I want to give them an opportunity to be successful uh, in an amazing experience while they're on campus. And I want everybody that's involved in this program, the alums, the fans, the families, and the supporters to, to, to feel the fulfillment of, of appreciating the way this team works and how they represent this, uh, this, this brand and this logo and this, 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 you know, family as a, as a whole, um, you know, I, it's been a wild ride. I, you know, some of it is, uh, is, is really hard to even think back on how, how we got through yeah. it. Um, and some of it is, is really important to, to put in place as, as a part of the foundation to, to build off of. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to, to, to do the work, to get the chance to, to be, you know, in the trenches with the guys and, and spend the time with the staff trying to, you know, put together a game plan to beat one of the best teams in the country. I mean, that's, that's where the drive is. I mean, I, I, I want to coach a group of guys that are, that are more uh, motivated by the challenge and the test than they are about the success and the win. And, and I think that's what we're getting right now is we're getting guys that just want to, they want to play anybody and they want to play everybody and they want to do it uh, in any environment that's necessary because that's, um, that's really what's going to show them what they're made of. And, uh, and it's an exciting, it's an exciting place to be. It's an exciting group to coach and uh, just looking forward to this weekend.
So run me through. What's it going to take, right? And like, this is, as you point out, there's a Notre Dame team that's lost to just one team all season, and the Kavanaugh's mm-hmm. are unbelievable, obviously, leading the way for them offensively. What's the roadmap? What is it that if, if we're going to win on Sunday, the best way for us to do that is for the game to go this way for us? Well, if we have the ball all the time, that will be yeah, a big that difference. Would, that maker. would be great. That's right. Yeah, if we could just yeah. have it the whole the whole time. <laughs> so winning all of the faceoffs would be a big factor, and uh, and you know we need to clear the ball well. But in all seriousness, I mean they're you know they're going to challenge you everywhere. We you know we're we're not sugarcoating any of it. You know there there are opportunities for us to win, but they are not easy. You know they don't they don't have holes. They don't have glaring deficiencies. They aren't. Um, lacking in any specific area, you know, there's things that they're better at than others, but that's, that's kind of every team, you know, very few teams are, are, you know, elite across the board. So, um, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're going to have to, you know, compete and, and, uh, and, and challenge every area of the game. We can, we have to win possessions and, and value those. Um, we need to minimize turnovers. We need to, uh, uh, we need to clear the ball. Well, they got a heck of a ride. We need to dig in and win face-offs when we can. Um, they're very competitive there, and, yep. and we got to make sure we know where those, those top guns are. They're, they got some some really athletic, really um, impressive uh, individuals on the offensive end, so um, it's going to be a handful. He is Peter Milliman again Sunday, two thirty in Annapolis at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. If you want to go support the Blue Jays, it would make a world of difference to have a huge crowd there for that game. Uh, Coach, I know you're going to say that you haven't accomplished anything, but I'm going to say congratulations no matter what on an outstanding season. I'm hoping that we're talking again here in a week as you're getting ready to head up to Philadelphia. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to to catching up again in the future. I love it. Thanks, Coach. Coach Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins with us here on GCR as they get ready for Sunday and Notre Dame. You didn't – hang on. We need need stand back, please, if you you don't mind. Thank you very much. Tough matchup. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult. It's an unbelievably difficult matchup for them. Look, if they you know play the way that they have shown in moments that they are capable of playing, yeah. they have played some brilliant lacrosse in the second half of the season. That's what it's going to require in order to beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I, I thought was the best team going into the tournament. I, and I know everybody's going to. Some people were going to say Duke. Some people were going to say Virginia. I thought Notre Dame was the team to beat. That's a hell of a doubleheader. Uh, yeah, Penn it's State Army, versus yeah. Army at noon, and then that game at two thirty. That's a great I don't know that everybody understood how good Army was until they watched the Maryland game, and then they said, "Oh, uh oh, um, Army absolutely could turn around to beat Penn State on Sunday. They could absolutely find their way into the Final Four. There is no question in my mind. They, I'm not ready to say they're going to win. I believe that. I said it a couple times that week. I kind of thought they were going to beat Maryland, um, just given the way that Maryland was playing and given what I had seen of Army, that's an unbelievable Army team. I had a brief uh, interaction 20-some years ago with their coach, Army's coach, okay. Joe Aborizzi. Yeah. He was an assistant to Mike Pressler at sure. Duke when I lived down okay. there. And a very good friend of mine, Mark Bond, his son, Andrew Bond, was known in the lacrosse world. I didn't know it at the time, but okay. he was known as one of the best face-off p- kids mm-hmm. in the country. And he went to Colgate. I won't get into all the details, but he left Colgate with a, a the coach that recruited him got let go before the season okay. even started. Okay. He ended up with somebody else, and he tr- he wanted to transfer. I was down in Duke, and Mark was his dad was telling me the story. I said, "Would he be interested in playing for Duke? I'm down here, and I 
know some of the athletic people, so I You made it out. happen? No, it oh. never happened. <laughs> it never happened. First, I tried Duke, and I talked to Mike Pressler, and Pressler said, I'm going to have somebody call you, and it was Joe Abarisi. How about that? And he said, uh, I'm very familiar with Andrew Bond. Mm-hmm. He says he's a great player. He goes, but we're full up with uh, face-off guys, so it's really not the right fit for us. I happened to see John Hawes, who was the head coach at UNC at the time, and Hawes was really anxious to get him. I was like the go-between, and it turned out that John probably tried to be too cute. Andrew was worthy of a scholarship. They they knew his parents had enough money to pay. So he said, we'd love to have you, but there's no scholarship. And he got offended by that, the kid. Because his best friend, Jed, I think it was Jed Prosser. that name ring a that bell? That sounds familiar. Yeah, he was on North Carolina's team. And he couldn't he couldn't reconcile that in his head that he couldn't get a scholarship. So he gave up playing lacrosse. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is that is kind of wild. Yeah. Um, look, you know, Army's good. That's going to be, yeah, that's the 12 o'clock game on Sunday. And then the 2.30 game is Hopkins-Notre Dame. Uh, for the last spots in the final four, Stan, I was a little bit nervous. That wasn't like a bomb that was about to go off, right? Like no, we're we're okay. No, the, the, we're not gonna no. get blown up here. <laughs> I had the computer go. Uh, I whew, I was nervous when I heard that computer start talking. Set, this is a different computer, and I've had it happen two times in here. Well, that's not great. Yeah. You think? It, do you think it's me? No. You don't think I'm like. You think it's, I think it's hang on a second. You think I, I was gonna say you think Griffin's it's you think it's Griffin? You think he's a like up, uploading a virus? Are you yeah. kidding? Well, I think that's you're mad. You kidding, Stan? It's yeah. maybe. Is this a bit of a rivalry? There's a bit of a rivalry here. You're, well, ma- you're mad at him because yeah, of the Bryce, Bryce Miller, Miller thing. Yeah. And then so you think okay. he's trying to get back? I mean, at you imagine giving his wisdom to somebody ridiculous that was paying him that day. Uh, uh, I mean, he's, yeah, merc- right? he's like a mercenary. Just a common whore. That's all he is. Like, just for money. I'll, I'll I mean, do he this He wouldn't service have this well job money. if it wasn't for me. <laughs> is that true? And is the bat around. <laughs> yeah. That's that I guess it is kind of true. I actually, yeah, yeah, think, I I actually think it was Gary, Gary Stein. Stein yeah, yeah. This is responsible for him being here. But hey, had there not been a bat around, that's true. There would have been no, never, there no spot. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, apparently, when the uh, NFL owners get together next week, they're going to revisit the Thursday Night Football Flex idea. So we could have flex Thursday nights this I, year. I, they didn't doesn't say that specifically, but they have not put it to bed. I guess is, oh, is they are still considering the idea of flexing Thursday night football games, That's which is horrible, just horrible. so insane. There it's, goes that Week Five Commanders Bears matchup. Well, on, it would be later. Prime. No, that one would be that one would still be oh, there because oh, it wouldn't be until later on in the season. But I well, have to come up with things to talk about other than the uh, finalizing the sale. Right, you so know, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do week. that. They're not going to do the commander sale. They need to vet the week. people that are involved. Uh, I think they had a, a legitimate concern about some of the financing. So I mean, they do need to do that. Obviously, they need to get through that part of the process. I don't think it means it's not going to happen. Although, of course, Dan Snyder is trying to push back on the idea. Yeah, but don't let anybody know about all the terrible things that I did. Like that's the <laughs> that's his condition for selling. I'll allow you. To, I'll sell. As long as, as long as I get my I six get billion a, and a golden parachute at the time, and <laughs> and you don't release that, no uh, one ever finds out about all of the heinous, awful things that I did. Sure, okay, 
Yeah, that seems reasonable. That seems like a good plan for football. Yes, they are going to revisit the idea of Thursday night flexes. And I think the way that it would work would be, like, you'd still have to decide a month out. So, like, in week six, they could start deciding about week 10, week 12, something like that. And so they could still be a disaster there where you flex something else and then a team loses four straight games and it doesn't matter. Their quarterback gets hurt. You still have to give fans enough yeah. of a heads up I to mean, rearrange travel. But to the point, I'm... If someone's flying into New Orleans, you know, because they want to see the Saints... Well, what, like they're, the, what, they're, like the what they're basically telling you is don't, right? Yeah. Like, that's what they basically... If they announce, if they make this a real thing, they're basically telling you don't plan, don't do plan not go, go on the road. Right. Do not take a road trip. Do not mm-hmm. do it. Because we're telling you, we're selling that part out. We don't care about that. All we care about is our partners, our television partners, or our streaming partners now when it comes to Amazon. So don't. Do not do not purchase a ticket to a road game. Do not make any plans whatsoever that would cost money to go on the road with your football team. And that, that this year, am I correct, there's going to be one playoff game that streaming. if you don't have streaming, Peacock. Yep. Peacock. Yep. And Peacock is now a paid... Do you have to pay for Peacock? There are two different versions of Peacock, but I think this one is on the... On the f- Man, you know what? That's a great question. But there's Stan. one that's like two bucks a month. Yeah, but you still have to pay it. Oh, right? yeah, you're still paying <laughs> it. But that's like, the way that it But works. you could get your, like, your free trial, or maybe you're paying two bucks to watch I it. don't know. <laughs> there is a version. There is a free tier of Peacock. And what is that? That's like the first season of The Office, and is there anything else that they, that, that provides? Wait a second. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe there was a some free commercial. Tier. Right. Yeah. I think I now they're wrapping that into some type of paid. Thing. Right. Well, the big yeah, news in sports media yesterday was that ESPN is finally willing to break down and say, we are going to allow you to just purchase ESPN by its, we're going to let you do that. Instead of signing up for ESPN Plus right. and paying for all of the other ancillary you know, college lacrosse games, college basketball games that right. you don't want. You just want the uh, I do want those. We're gonna, I know, and I, I want them too. <laughs> but for the people that don't, we're going to make a package available for just streaming that would be, and they haven't announced all the details of it yet, but it would just be ESPN or ESPN and ESPN2 or ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. They're going to start selling networks for just streaming, okay. which goes a long way because they had been holding on to the fact that they were the ones getting the – in your cable bill, the biggest chunk of your cable bill was going to ESPN overwhelmingly. How much was it? It was Something like, like $14, $15 I, I think it was month? 9 for ESPN alone. Right. And then you add in all the other ESPNs. Right. I think it was getting in that neighborhood of about $14 of your cable bill, cable bill was just going to ESPN. So yeah. even if you didn't like sports, even if you never watched them, right. the bulk of your bill – was being sent to ESPN. So this is a kind of this is a seismic shift in the when are we going to get to the point where cable is entirely dead? Right. Like this is a big, big moment shift, yeah. potentially in getting to that point wherever it's going to be is right. ESPN backing off and saying we're not going to fight for getting the money from like that was what they were fighting for is we want to get Sally who never watches sports money too. Right. They were getting it because they were the most valuable part of a cable package. So if they're going to give that up that fight, then I don't know how Turner's going to be able to keep the fight going. I don't know how any of these other people that weren't as, value as, as valuable as ESPN are going to be able to continue to fight and say, you can only have us if you have a cable package. Um, this smells are like... Are they saying, like, Sally, we're going to lose so many Sallys 
that we weren't going to get that money anyway. They're well, cutting I, the court. I think it's more we're losing. There are people that are just flatly choosing, even if they like sports. Right. We're not just not going to. Gonna, we're not just not going to do it. We'll yeah. live. We will yeah. survive without this somehow, yeah. some way. That now they're saying, all right, we have to acknowledge that's where this is. If there's X number of people that are doing that now, then there's going to be X more that are going to be doing that in the, fu- the coming right. years. My family finally did it. My family. Yeah. We don't even do YouTube TV. We're just doing all. Apps. Which I think YouTube TV isn't that where uh, there's no Sunday ticket this year, right? Uh, well, that is where, that's where it'll that's be. Where it's yes, going, yes. Yeah. But isn't it like isn't it going to be? I heard it's going to be like a big it's chunk like, of money on top like, of your yes, subscription. Yeah, you're not just yeah. going to get the Sunday yeah. ticket. It's for like four hundred dollars or three hundred if you already Which have is, YouTube right. TV. Absolutely but you have to buy it, I think, by next week. Or something. Well, I mean, do you want the product? Or, I mean, I don't care. I'll live with them forcing the Cowboys down my throat at four twenty every Sunday. That's how I feel. I want Red Zone though, so I gotta. I don't know mm. if like. If they're, not off, they're not offering a red zone only. I don't. I I gotta look into okay. it. I guess before uh, June sixth is my deadline. They should so. do that, but you know, <laughs> they're gonna I'll do all my research June fifth. They're gonna try to get you to get that. Astros look, are uh, activating Jose Altuve tonight. Uh-oh. They whatever the team was that he was rehabbing with did a funny jersey this week. Oh man! And it, they they shared a picture of Altuve wearing like a chicken biscuits jersey or something like that. Right. And it was maybe my favorite picture of the week. I got to figure out what it was, but I loved it so bad. Um. I, one more thought on the Orioles real quick because it was brought up as we were having our conversations this morning. So they have to make this roster move. You know, at some we think they're going to make this roster move this weekend. That was the illusion that they yeah. were making to that point. Yeah. I brought it up with Spielberg, so I'll bring it up with you. Where are you at with the rope for Grayson Rodriguez? Uh, he would have been probably sent down already by me. But I don't think that that's the way they're thinking. But I think he might be on start-to-start basis right now. Um, this this whole thing now, you know, I, I did some numbers just before. I know you're asking me one simple question. But as much as we think that Bradish and Kramer have turned things around mm-hmm. for the season, Kramer batting average against Dean Kramer is 289, whip 142. And in forty, he's in nine starts. He's pitched forty-seven innings. That's a little over five innings yep. a game. Kyle Bradish, batting average against two fifty-six, WHIP one thirty, and in seven starts, he's pitched thirty-two innings. So he's not really giving you even five innings not again. Yep. Kyle Gibson has the innings pitched in nine starts. He's got fifty-two innings, which is just under six. 285 batting average against a 140 whip. You got to get to to uh, Wells, uh, Tyler Wells. That was the disappointing part about yesterday, right? 168 like. batting average, 079 whip, 52 innings and eight starts. But again, not even averaging seven. Not even he's averaging a little over six innings to start. Grayson Rodriguez, 309 batting average against mm. 173 whip. Eight starts, 37 innings. So he's averaging not even five yeah, innings per well, start. Well, and I said before the season, I could live with you. On, you, This is the part of the plan for Grayson Rodriguez. Is we're if doing the shorter. four innings were quality exactly innings. Exactly yeah. right, right? Like, I could accept the idea of yeah, Grayson Rodriguez. You're, is, you're keeping his innings short. Yep, yeah. but no, not, not the way that he's pitching. Um, I, I'd say he gets the one more start. He's going to start against Saturday, Saturday yep. against Toronto. Yep. I mean, that's a very tough uh, it's place a very, for It's him. a very difficult place. Yeah. There's no question about that. I 
I'm I I'm torn, right? Is I guess what I would say. I'm torn. I brought up earlier in the week the idea of it wouldn't be I wouldn't demote him at first. The first move that I would make would be coming up with some sort of injury, right? Like coming up with some sort of way to say we got to deal with this at some point. Let's just take a pause, right? That allows you an excuse to send him down and call it a rehab appearance. Mm-hmm. And then try it. I, I wouldn't immediately go to demotion with Grayson Rodriguez because I don't want to mess. Why? You think I don't want to me- if he's, I don't mess if with he's, him that much. If he's not that strong to withstand that, you're you're talking about a whole different ball game because you what you lose by sort of creating the injury, you you lose the real purpose of hey, let's get down there and work on these couple things. I. I hear you, but if that is specifically just throwing more strikes, which I think for the most part it is, I I don't know how much a prolonged rehab stint is going to help with that. I right. I just don't know that that's going to be the thing that changes. You just need to be confident in throwing your pitches for strikes. Yep. So for me, it's more a we got to deal with this anyway, right? Yeah. Like we got at some point we have to address the fact that you can't, you're not going to be able to pitch the entire season. Let's just pause. Let's maybe throw some bullpens. Mm-hmm. Let's maybe do something like that. And then we're going to talk about it because it feels more like it's mental to me than it is anything else right now with Grayson Rodriguez. And just be confident in your stuff. Everybody can see the stuff. We all can see the stuff that he has. You've got to be confident in saying, I can throw this pitch. And even if I throw it somewhere where a batter can get to it, my stuff is better than theirs and I'm going to be capable of getting them out. That's the biggest difference that I feel with Grayson Rodriguez at the moment, and I just don't know. Again, short of his confidence is wrecked, so you just need him to go build up confidence in the minor leagues. I don't know that doing that in the minor leagues for four starts is going to help all that much with specifically the issue of throwing throwing your pitches in the strike zone. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to, to couch it and all that, and there'd be one other thing to me is look, you made a trade for Cole Irvin, okay? And so, if you if if you have so little faith in him all of a sudden after three starts that this was a disaster that we can't then then why don't you release him now? But the point I'm making is none of your starters, save Tyler Wells, are giving you great depth nope. in games. Nope. What about another way to save innings with Grayson Rodriguez is put him in as your long guy. You know, when Dennis Martinez, Storm Davis, even Flanagan a little bit, when they came up, they were bullpen arms back in the day where you had classic long men, you know. And so now when Kyle Gibson gets knocked out in the fourth or fifth inning, instead of piecing it together, you have Grayson Rodriguez to go two or three innings in a game. I'll I'll add in if Givens – and eventually Tate right. are both here and are both pitching. They they show in the first couple of weeks that they are guys that you're going to be able to count on in late-inning situations and leverage situations. Then at that point, I might even make the argument to go back to combining two pitchers into one, right? The And I, you know, whether it's Irvin, I don't know. I would say it would be Grayson and DL almost mm-hmm. would be the two guys that I would try to use combined to be one starter. Yeah. Um, in that situation, you get a righty-lefty thing there that I would mm-hmm. like at that point. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. But it would require, because you don't have enough 
arms that you're confident in your bullpen right now to be able to use a roster spot that way. You would need to have Givens and Tate both be guys that you can count on in the back end of your bullpen in order for that to be a possibility because you just don't, as we saw this week, you don't have enough that you can be super confident in everybody else. And so you're just in that situation, you're just going to expect about seven no matter what between those two? Between the two of them. I'm counting on those two guys between the two of them giving me, you know, six to seven innings every time. And Tate got um, shelled, by the way. I know it's early. I did Last see time that. out, he went like a third yeah. of an inning yeah. and gave up like six or seven hits or something. Yeah. Who's this? T- Dylan, Dylan Tate. Tate. Yeah. I don't know what the Gibbons time. Gibbons look good. Yeah. Tate, yeah. Tate is probably a little ways yeah, away. That's the sense that I got as well. I do have a question for you guys. If yeah. we're thinking back to last year, when we went at Texas and swept Texas. Who put together probably his best start of the season in one of those games was Spencer Watkins. He's waiting in AAA. What if would you guys be okay if we if say Grayson goes out here in this Toronto series and it's bad again? Would you be okay with sending him down? And we got Texas coming up in the schedule. By the time you saying you specifically he, wanted to pitch in Texas yes, again, yes, and give Grayson a start in Triple A and I, see what happens, and let Spencer say, "Hey man, the last time you were out against do, Texas, it doing, was great." What's he doing at uh, Norfolk? He's been okay. I think he's, he's been, been okay. Yeah, he's been, okay. Solid, he's yeah. been okay. I I know it would be my answer. Yeah, I think they've got to they've got to explore Cole Irvin. I mean, they gave up a reasonable prospect in Daryl uh, Hernandez. No, I know. agree. I agree with you about. I mean, uh, but I would also and add I liked I liked the acquisition at the time. At, at some point, you've got to do something with DL Hall. Like I just don't know what you're getting out of continuing to have him throw. Now look, I'm. I have as many questions as you do, Stan. We've been through this a few times in the DL Hall conversation, but they did what they did. They sent him down to start. At some point, it's not helping them for D.L. Hall to just go out and pitch every... He either is going to be able to help you as a major league starter, or it's time to get him into the bullpen to have him help you at the major league level with the stuff. The numbers, as I pointed out, over the last 22 innings, 32 strikeouts, 9 walks, D.L. Hall is pitching well his last five times out. Um, At some point, I just need need to figure out how that can benefit the Baltimore Orioles in some sort of way. And I don't think having him start every fifth day at Norfolk and give up more innings at Norfolk is the way to go about doing that. So I need to fire that bullet as well at some point, if for no other reason than to be able to say it's not working as a starter in the major league level. It's time to go ahead and make the move and get it into the bullpen and figure it out. Uh, hour number two of today's program, also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, all the best offers and incentives for sports betting are available at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, like five second-chance bets from PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. But again, you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to take advantage of it. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get Tubular and then Diamond Miller to wrap up the show. That's on the way. Stand the fans here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Oh, say have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check them all out this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now. Sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. Plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older in order to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now in order to get signed up. Uh, John from Little Rock tells me that Peacock is $4.99. That, for all that sounds right. Says there is no free version. So, But if you have Xfinity, then it comes... Like they have actually an over-the-air channel for all of Peacock's. So my look. question: I like Peacock. I mean, I think it's really an interesting. I have I subscribed yeah. to Peacock, but so for four ninety nine, could you could you sign up for Peacock to just get that playoff game? Would they allow that? Yeah, I mean, you could cancel it. You would cancel still, it any yeah, time. Yeah, you, they let the, me do a. In fact, I think you like get a free you, trial. You get a month. Well, I don't think they're doing that. Because I could invite you guys uh, over my house and ask for a dollar from each. Right, and then you could actually profit off <laughs> yeah. of this in the end, right? Like, well, no, I don't want to be a pig about it. Oh, thank. Like, I just want to cut a, my monthly fee down to a dollar ninety nine. Terrible news for you. I'm already signed up for Peacock, so I don't need I don't need your secondhand Peacock. I've already got enough. Yeah, I already use my friend's Peacock, so yeah, I'm good too. Once once I found out that's where cocaine was bear was going, I said, well, I'm. <laughs> gonna have to be signed up. I'm gonna have to have it. I actually sheepishly I did I did watch the Fresh Prince of Bel Air remake that they did on Peacock. So horrible. Glenn was. It's man. I have a lot of thoughts about it. It's not horrible. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, <laughs> but it's better than it has a right to be. Is I guess the best way that. Do like, you get any sense that white men can't? I have jump zero in. interest. Like oh, I have never on. seen anything about Jack Harlow that has any amount of personality or right. but talented was, fella. Sure, he's maybe the worst Saturday Night Live host I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life, and that's saying I won't something. Argue with that. I because won't argue with that. Michael Phelps could barely speak when he hosted Saturday Night Live. 
Jack Harlow just stood there with the same like ashenless face. Like, hey, I'm Jack Harlow. <laughs> yeah, you should all. Hey, guys. You know who was a good host was uh, Austin Butler, the Elvis guy. Austin Butler was an excellent. host. I thought he was a good host. He was an excellent. I don't even really watch Saturday Night Live like that, but I thought he was a good. He host. He was a very good host, and they did the uh, the send off to Elvis, uh, I'll tell you. Yeah, they he was, sang her a song. Yeah, they yeah, did the send off for Cecily Strong at the end of the night. Uh, it was very good. Um, yeah, I have no interest, zero in White Man Can't Jump. I will pass on that entirely. It's about your life, though. You gotta right. That's a good point. You gotta watch. That's a great point. You're not wrong about that. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So it was 79 minutes and 47 seconds of overtime in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL last night between the Hurricanes and the Panthers. It was the sixth longest game in Stanley Cup playoff history. I certainly could name not the name. other five. Yeah, yeah, I, there yeah. was a Devils game I remember famously that went like you know five overtimes or something. There was like that. what was it the, the 2021 or like uh, in 2020 the yeah, bubble? What was yeah. that game? It was like the very first game I think of the playoffs, yeah. and it was like the Lightning and. I, I think they did, the well. I think that was when they were trying to do two games a night, and they had to cancel yeah, the game after. That's right, because, because they went. Of, yeah. They went seven. Over. Yeah. Julio Arias, he allowed four home runs in the third inning yesterday to the Cardinals as the Cardinals, so we kept saying we're bad. Which is, which is so much worse, right, that yeah. it was the Cardinals. Um, uh, that is tied for the most by a Dodgers pitcher uh, in a single inning, single inning in team history, uh, tying him with Ben Wade, who allowed four home runs in the eighth inning uh, in 1954 to the New York Giants. That was going to be Stan's guess, actually. Ben Stan Wade. was absolutely going to guess. I thought his first name was Fred, though. Fred Wade. <laughs> Fred Wade, yeah. Julio Rios getting uh, lit up. Uh, hopefully his his career, I guess, goes better than Ben Wade's. I mean, I, I don't know who Ben Wade yeah, was. I have no idea. Yes. Right. John Rahm, he posted the worst opening round to score uh, to or score to par as the world number one at the PGA I, Championship. The guy that was leading a, uh, after round one of the PGA Championship. I know like it's a joke that I don't know anything about golf. I have legitimately never heard of the man. I thought Deshambo was leading. Wasn't leading? No, it no? was some guy named Cole. Oh, it Cole. was some guy named like Eric Cole. Cole Irvin. Cole not, not Cole Irvin. It was some guy. Now he's no longer leading the, the golf Shambo's tournament. Shambo's now leading. I think that's what Cole Irvin's been up to yeah, since yeah. we haven't seen him in a week or two. Uh, they, took up golf. On a second. Eric Cole, I believe, Eric was Cole. the gentleman's name. Yes. Um, yeah, Deshambo's currently leading. Um, either way, uh, it was the worst opening round by a number one at the PGA Championship. Uh, breaks the record set by uh, Greg Norman in 1990 at plus five, and then Tiger Woods also in two, 2005 scored a plus five in the fir- in the opening round. Well, how about that? So good thing. Uh, so John Rahm gets to get his name on that list now. Mike Trout hit his tenth home run of the season yesterday. It is now his. Thanks for the reminder, Griff. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Otani also hit his tenth. Yeah, home I'm run. aware. Not, yes. not, I watched the game. Bit. Thank you, bud. Uh, Mike Trout hit his tenth home run of the season. He now has 11 seasons which ties him for second most seasons uh, in Angels history with ten, at least 10 home runs. Ties him with Tim Salmon. Okay. I actually would have probably so guessed that was Tim Salmon pretty quickly. Well, yeah. Salmon and Trout. It's just yeah. something about these uh, these fish last names for the Angels. Garrett Tim. Anderson, maybe? Is Garrett the... Anderson has the most, yeah. 13 seasons right. with 10 home runs uh, by an Angel. Then also yesterday, Nolan Arenado uh, picked up his 1,000th career RBI. He became the sixth active player. Sixth active player to have 1,000 RBIs and 300 home runs in a career. Can you name the other five active players? Active. I'm going to say Freddie Freeman because he just got 300 last night for home runs. 
Let's see. Freddie Freeman, not. What a big, stupid idiot. Yeah. Um, obviously, how with that obviously, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera, obviously. What is, what is the number? 1,000 RBIs. RBIs. 300 home runs. Active players. And uh, there's five of them? There are six total. Six, and we got one. Yeah, now. we have. We, I gave you Arenado, Miguel okay. Cabrera, so there are four left. So I'll assume Joey Votto. Joey Votto is on this list, yes. Is Trout on that list? Mike Trout not on the list no, quite yet. Quite yet. Quite yet. Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is on the list. Okay. Uh, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is Very on the list. Good. Who's the last one? Who is the last one? I've done so well. Now I want to make sure that... Giancarlo Stanton? It is not Giancarlo Stanton. Man. Jose did Abreu? Say, not Jose Abreu. Did we say Votto? Uh, yes, we did say Votto. And Votto's not on. Votto is on. on Votto, Goldschmidt, Cruz, and Cabrera are the ones that we have. And We're looking for one more. Oh, Manny Machado. Not Manny Machado. I think he's at like 280 home runs or something. Manny is. Bryce Harper? Not Bryce Harper. I think he's also around like 280. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, Not not McCutcheon. Um, Man. Not McCutcheon. How about he Rizzo? Not Anthony Rizzo. I'm trying to think of how I want to hint this out. Um, Longoria? Evan Longoria, that is correct. That's Arizona great Diamondback. Guess. Great guess. E- Evan Longoria, 300 home runs, 1,000 RBIs. Good list. Those are your six active Good players? Good list. Not just because I got all of them. <laughs> Good that list. was a Glenn solo Good list. list. Yeah, thanks for nothing, guys. Really appreciate <laughs> all of your nothing help. All right, very good. Tubular is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. It comes up fast. It doesn't come up fast. It's It's here. here. It's here. It's It's A.C. season. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Here is what's coming up this weekend. Again, as we mentioned, Apple TV Plus tonight for Orioles J's, 7 o'clock, Kyle Gibson and Yusei Kikuchi. The pitching matchup, the Black Eyed Susan Stakes at 4.30 on Peacock, which Stan, of course, is going to make you invite you over if you're willing to pay a dollar of an admission price. To we're going to cut that roast beef Susan. sandwich in four pieces. And there you go. And, and you can all pitch in a dollar. A dollar for a quarter of a roast beef sandwich and some Peacock this afternoon. Uh, UMBC softball in the NCAA tournament at 4 o'clock against Oklahoma State on ESPN+. Plus. Go Retrievers. 4 o'clock today. That's 4 o'clock today, yes. Uh, Maryland baseball continues their final season of the weekend tonight, 6 o'clock on Big Ten Network Plus. The MIA lacrosse finals tonight. Watch lacrosstv.com. B Conference final, Park School and Archbishop Curley at 4.30. The A Conference, Calvert Hall and McDonough at 7.30. Those games are over at uh, Ridley Athletic Complex at Loyola. Game two of the Eastern Conference finals, 8.30 on TNT for the Heat and Celtics. PGA Championship coverage is on ESPN Plus right now. It moves to ESPN at 1, and then tonight on ESPN, Stars Golden Knights Game 1 at 8.30 in the NHL's Western Conference Finals. Also, Brittany Griner's return to the floor tonight, 11 o'clock on ESPN, as the Phoenix Mercury take on the L.A. Sparks. Tomorrow, uh, NBC coverage of the Preakness. Um, It's complicated. Locally, it'll start on WBAL at 12.30. It'll move the network coverage at 4.30. The network coverage starts at 1 on CNBC. So whatever, just, you know, it's a whole thing. 
for the Preakness tomorrow, but the post time is at about six. So just 50. go. Yeah, so just that way go. you don't have to worry right. about watching. That's it's not channel just on NBC. It's, it, on it's it's everywhere. So it is on NBC, but it's like the network coverage. Does Peacock have it? Begins. Yes, they'll have that. It starts at four thirty. I understand. They'll be doing network coverage before that locally. Okay. For right, BAL, BAL right. will do all day long. Right. And then the network coverage of the Preakness begins on CNBC. Okay. At one o'clock. Okay. And then moves to NBC at four thirty. At four thirty. Yes. Okay. But if you tune into NBC here locally, it won't matter. You've got WBAL's coverage. It's just a whole. Okay. It's a whole thing for the Preakness. Back to Masson tomorrow for Orioles Jays at three o'clock. As you mentioned, Greg uh, Olson is going to be part of the coverage this weekend. Grayson Rodriguez, Alec Manoa, the pitching matchup tomorrow. Tomorrow night for Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals on ABC. Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL on TNT. And also CBS is gets the PGA Championship. So coverage is at, on ESPN tomorrow and Sunday morning. And then tomorrow afternoon and Sunday afternoon, CBS for the PGA Championship. Sunday, Dean Kramer, Kevin Gosman, 1.30 on Masson. Uh, as we mentioned, Johns Hopkins, Notre Dame, 2.30 on Sunday. It's on ESPNU if you're not making the trip after Penn State Army, and then Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals, Sunday night on TNT, Game 2 of the NHL Western Conference Finals, Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock on ABC. Gotcha. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, not a whole lot this weekend, actually. HBO Max is a new new show, Spy Master. Um, mm. It is like a Soviet spy. He wants to defect to the Americans during the Cold War, and it causes a whole mess. Okay. Uh, of course, as Stan mentioned, White Men Can't Jump, the remake with Jack Harlow. Yep, uh, that'll be for not Lance me. Reddick is in it, though. Um, so <sighs> you it. may, I know, I think uh, I think we reeled Glenn back in. No, with that I'm one. not going to go, I'm not going to, is it, I'm assuming it's only in theaters? or is uh, it, uh, No, it's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. White Men Can't Jump is on Hulu. Maybe, I'm not, I don't want to say it's Lance Reddick's last role, but. Um, I think I we think we looked that up before and we found out it was not Lance Reddick's final role. But good. Man, I love Lance okay. Reddick. That's difficult for me. Uh, HBO also on Saturday night. Love the Love You Donna Summer documentary. That's on Saturday night. Um, and then the new episode of or the penultimate episode of Succession, as well as the penultimate episode of Barry. Is there um, a new Maisel today? Mm, yeah, no, I, for some reason I didn't write it down. I feel like I, no, I think, up I think on the it's end over. Well. I think it was either last week. No, last or, wasn't. The, last week wasn't the last episode. And okay. so, when, for whatever reason, I deleted it. Then. When's Blacklist uh, last last episode? The Blacklist. Uh, I'm not sure. There's a new episode this Sunday night. Right. I don't. Th- I don't think it's the last episode this season quite yet. All right. Fear of the Walking Dead, Yellow Jackets apparently, as well. Apparently, apparently they already filmed a sp- a John Wick spinoff. Oh. Called Ballerina. Okay. And Lance Reddick is. And it's uh, Ana de Armas. Oh. And Lance Reddick is involved with it. Yes. So I don't. I don't. I did not know that. I didn't know that was a thing. But that's something that's happening. All right. Very good. Stand the fan. You'll be on with the boys tomorrow morning. Yes, I will. Bat around ten to noon with Paul and Zach. Make sure you tuned in for that. Then of course Monday at six o'clock. Yep. You, Luke, and Ross. I'm going to try and get Andy Dolich on uh, on that uh, because there's some. Interesting stuff going on now that the city of Las Vegas yeah, appears not to be not so as committed as yeah not to put up more than a hundred and ninety five right, million dollars right. and yeah. they're looking and what's for the name more, of uh, Andy's book uh, Goodbye Oakland Goodbye Oakland is the name of the book it's available now uh, at Stan the Fan on Twitter as always is how you follow him great to have you appreciate you Thank coming you. in and hanging Thank out with you. us this morning. Thanks to uh, and go uh, coffee with Chris right go coffee with Chris chase go, the chaos. Well, all right, fine. We like all of them. That's fine. Anybody who's local. Uh, Carson, good to have you back. Carson, yeah, great to be hang- back. He's going to be hanging is out with Carson us again. Daily, Carson Daly? Carson Weekly, of course, oh, is who Daly. it is. Carson Weekly. 
and uh, try to get some uh, TikTok content flowing as well yeah, again sure thing. here in the coming weeks. We'll look forward to that, Can't too. use TikTok in Montana. Well, right? I, the good news is we're not in Montana. Right. so we'll They banned it on the campus of Ole Miss, too. What? Did they really? Yeah, like if you're on campus Wi-Fi, it's, it doesn't let you use it. Wow. Wow. How about that? For really, the yeah. governor. They're really after some important yeah, things. Yeah, they're getting all the important things done, no doubt about that. All right, uh, very good. Thank you, Carson. Appreciate it. Remind me where you are on uh, social. Uh, at Carson Ware on. At Carson Ware. W-A-I-R-E. That's right. Ware. Thanks today, too. Long list. We had a great show today. Thanks to John Salzman, the trainer of Coffee with Chris. Thanks also today to Ryan Spielborgs. Thanks to Jim Callis. Thanks to uh, Peter Milliman. And thanks to Diamond Miller, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Uh, busy weekend for me. I'm on 105.7 tomorrow from 12 to 3. Hell yeah. And then again, Sunday. from Rita and I are doing 12 to 3 because they Drew's going to do live play-by-play of this Drew's got PGA pl- Championship time. afterwards. I have no idea. I have no idea what that's going to be like, but... Uh, we're on 12 to 3 on Sunday, and I'm on 12 to 3 tomorrow, so make sure you tuned in for that. All right. At Glenn Clark Radio. Oh, at, uh, thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, AJ Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, All American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Go Hopkins Lacrosse. Go Coffee with Chris. Go UMBC Softball. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. Here's Diamond Miller. Well, it's a pleasure now to be joined again here on GCR by one of the great players in Maryland basketball history. And as WNBA season gets going this weekend, she begins her rookie year with the Minnesota Lynx. She was the number two overall pick in the WNBA draft. The great Diamond Miller is back with us now here on GCR. Diamond, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you for having me. Hey. It's great to chat with you. I can only imagine how excited you are at this point. Like, I, I know you guys played exhibition games, but as you get ready for tonight, like realizing this dream, re- realizing that you are now a professional basketball player, can you put into words what this means at this point? Yeah, you know, it means a whole lot to me. And, yeah, just like you said, like I would play – uh, preseason games, but nothing compares to right now, you know. This is really crazy. I get the butterflies, and I'm just ex- super excited to start this new journey in my life, and yeah, it's crazy yeah it is crazy of course your time at maryland was i i know you i know you guys wanted to win a championship this year and i know you're probably disappointed by it still but the thrills that you gave us the game winning shots the buzzer beaters all of it how much did playing in all of those big games in front of so many big crowds help prepare you now for jumping to this level and playing in the wnba um i think it helps you a lot because you already get the experience to to compete and play at a high level in those hostile environments every single night. Um, every night we had to battle, and it gave me the opportunity to now take that to the next level because in the W, every game we're going to have to battle, right? just like I did in college. So it kind of helped me prepare for this for sure. So you're the number two pick in the draft, and you go to a franchise that's in a time and a bit of transition, right? Like. I imagine I imagine there's like an excitement with it, but is there kind of a pressure that comes along with, hey, there's a lot that's expected out of you being the number two pick in the draft? Yeah, I don't think 
there's a lot of pressure just because we are in a transition and we're just trying to really have fun and learn from one another. I think we're a very young team and we have a lot to learn. So there is going to be a little oopsies sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just going to grow from that and continue and continue to stack uh, days. Diamond Miller is with us now with the Minnesota Lynx, of course, former Maryland star chatting with us here on GCR. Um, you know, Diamond, what, what is it that, okay, as you take on this role, this responsibility, and you make this jump, what is it that you feel like you most bring to the table as not just a, a solid basketball player, but as kind of, we saw it, an alpha, as someone who is a killer, as someone who wants the ball in their hands at the end of games? Yeah, I'm, I'm- one thing I could bring to the table is I'm going to bring that energy, that heat that you were talking about. I'm constantly trying to help my team in any which way. So I think that brings a lot to the table. And my versatility of being able to score, I also think is extremely helpful, especially going professional and just like being a sponge. I think that's the main thing I could take away is constantly learning. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not much. I'm not going to make mistakes. I know I still have a lot to learn, so I'm not going to be conceited right now. I'm Right now, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can to develop my game even more than what it is right now. You know, one of the things that was most interesting to me when I found out it was going to be Minnesota for you was, you know, your coach is also the, the Olympic coach, right? And I know that, boy, that is a talented pool. It is unreal how many players are going to be in that, that competition for an Olympic spot. But is there a small part of you that thinks like, hey, if I were to have an outstanding rookie season, maybe I could get myself into that conversation somehow? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like you you can't stay in one spot forever. And I feel like having a coach like this is going to help me develop even more. But I also have to do it myself. So it's definitely exciting what the future holds for me. And it's crazy that I have the opportunity to – talk about the Olympics, like right. what? That is right. such a crazy thing to me, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just going to try my best. I can't make any promises, but I know I am going to try my best. And clearly, obviously, there would be more Olympics after this one, so there would be plenty more opportunities yeah. for you to do that. But is it? can I assume that was something that was a dream for you, like that's something that would be a goal for you during the course of your career to play in the Olympics? Yeah, it's definitely one of my goals. I think it's really cool. I mean, I've done USA right. several times, but nothing compares to Olympic gold medal. So that would be really cool to check off my bucket list for sure. I mean, that would not stink. That would be really, really good. No, that would be amazing, really. Um, how did, Diamond, how did, you know, beyond the experience of the big games, but working with Coach Freeze, her staff, and the fact that you stuck things through at Maryland, What's the best thing that you learned, maybe from 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 coach or her staff, that most prepared you for making this jump and entering the professional level? Mm, that's a good question. Honestly, I learned throughout my four years of just college. I learned a lot about myself and what I'm capable of. One thing I could say, I learned that you have to be. You have to fail. Like, and I know I hate failing and I hate falling, but like, if I didn't get hurt or if I didn't have those bad games where I just cried all night, it wouldn't have gotten me better as a person or individual. So 
learn to be okay with being uncomfortable and failing. Wow. Like, that is something that I learned, yeah. You know, it, it, it maybe it goes back to bringing up, like, the oopsies before, right? Like, the, it might be that yeah. there are moments this season where you're going through something like that, and you're going to have to fall back on the, like, hey, it's okay. It's not the end of the world if we have a tough night or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just have to never stay too high or too low. You have to be able to withstand those waves and the good, the bad, and the ugly and still be kind of constant, which is easier said than done, obviously, but that's something <clears throat> that I have learned. All right, you are, we know you're not, you're in a, you know, the joke, you're not a robot, right? Like, you're an emotional player. You are, we, yeah. you wear it on your sleeve. But you're not the, tr- the the typical trash talker. So I'm wondering if we can go back a season. Like when you were practicing and you were going up against Angel, did you e- did we ever see any jawing between the two of you? Now that we know that she's literally one of the legends of the jawing game. <laughs> oh, no way seems, but like during the summer, the team had very competitive uh, pickup games. I mean, obviously. And it was so much fun, honestly, just to compete with all the girls. I mean, not just Angel. We had Ashley. We right, had right. Katie Benson. We had uh, Chloe. We all would try to talk to each other. So it was really fun and entertaining. And it was during COVID time. So all we had was each other. So it was very, very competitive. But honestly, that competitiveness is good in a sense. I agree. it helps you be like, yeah, it gets you going and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, this girl's doing this. And she's talking all this smack. Oh, no, I got to come back and do something to her. So it really is very competitive. It's a lot of fun. And, yeah, it gets crazy sometimes, but in a good way. All right. So, all love. All so, love. So everybody on the outside would assume she was the best trash talker. Would would you dispute that? Nene? Would you say, no, maybe one of us actually was a better trash talker than even Angel was? Ah, that's a tough question. I don't know. We all had a little spicy moments, okay. I would say. But uh, definitely, we all just went at each other. It was not like it was not like one time I was like, "All right, she's doing too much." It was just like <laughs> we're just having fun. Yeah, it was never that. Um, it was just great vibes. And like one thing I could say about the competitiveness and the trash talking or whatever yeah. the case may be, after we all were best friends. It wasn't like yeah. We're going to keep this going for months and months. This girl said this. No, no, it was nothing like that. It was on the court. We were trash talking, but off the court, we're literally friends and teammates and we love each that's other. That's the name so of the game. It was a great balance. Yeah, it's it's the love of the sport, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's the cool part. D- Diamond, I was talking to Abby a couple weeks ago, um, and I was wondering, because I asked, I phrased it to her this way. When when you were you know were growing up, I, I don't know, because the WNBA was still in its infancy, and we didn't know... Like the the reality that you are able to do this and make a living and have a successful career as a basketball player. When did that come into like focus for you? When in your life did you say like, no, this is a real opportunity and I could really do yeah. it? Honestly, I think it was after my freshman year and it was during COVID or whatever. And I just told myself, I'm really going to try to go pro. Like, I'm going to give my all, and whatever happens, I'm going to be satisfied with it. But I got to know I'm going to put my all into it. And that summer, I really worked extremely hard. And I it was able to have a successful sophomore year, and that kind of gave me the confidence to be like, hey, I think I could do this. 
Yeah. So just realizing that hard work really does pay off. So it's a crazy thing to say that like one day I would be a professional and now look at me now, but it's seriously, it takes a lot of hard work and I just put my all into it and didn't think about a plan B, which I don't know if it's, it's the best situation for some people because <laughs> you're always supposed to have a plan B, but like I literally didn't have a plan B. I mean, look. So it was just like, I got to go all in. If you're, if you're going to go all in, you might as well do it the way that you did. There's no doubt about <laughs> that. You might as well succeed at that point. She is Diamond Miller. Uh, again, Minnesota Lynx. WNBA season gets underway for everyone this weekend. And, of course, uh, she is playing with the Minnesota Lynx, and they open up against Chicago. Uh, Diamond, what all can we plug for you? Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Where can Maryland fans be giving you a follow? Uh, definitely on Instagram at DiamondMiller1 underscore and on on Twitter is love underscore diamond. Diamond, you gave us so many thrills, right? Like, we'll think about the, the Notre Dame game forever. Uh, it was such a joy to watch you guys play. Uh, congratulations. We can't wait to see what's next. Boy, I hope that at some point we're having a conversation in the future about a WNBA champion and an Olympic gold medalist. That would be unbelievable. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you. Bye.